Hey, back again for another week. Episode 99. 99 episodes. We're close to the big hundo. And you just figured it out. We haven't missed a week since almost two years now. Episode five. Episode Episode five five is when we started the week to week podcast. And um, so that's been 94 weeks in a row. And we haven't missed. We have a guest, a long time missing guest that hasn't been here. Long time. For months. But reoccurring, obviously. Very reoccurring guest, Mr. Dude. Dude's Hi. here. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. Dude around. I mean, Thanks, say- Mike Sheedy. Yeah. <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't referenced that in a long time. When we say um, episode 99, you know what it makes me think of? The year I graduated? Yes, because wow. they had this obnoxious chant. His class did. You know how classes had like chants? I guess. And this it went, would be hilarious. I can already tell. It's not, it's not hilarious, but they had this obnoxious chant that went 99, 99, 90, 90, 99, 99, 99, oh, 99, yeah. 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, Dude's class was obnoxious. I should have. We should have chanted. Oh five. I'm, oh, five. I'm not sure how to take that. If it was a compliment <laughs> or an insult, you know. Well, it wasn't a compliment. That's for sure. Oh come on, man. I'm just kidding. Ninety nine. I know you are, but nineteen ninety nine was like the best year ever. Yeah. What I mean, was it like was before it? cell phones? I had a cell phone at the time I was sixteen. I mean, texting wasn't a thing. Email was like. <gasps> you got a. You had a cell phone when you were sixteen. What was it? Uh, the the original Motorola flip phone, flip phone. I had a StarTac flip phone. Mine was uh, Siemens. My very first one was yeah, a little it, baby that Siemens. Exactly right. <laughs> you had Siemens. Yeah. I did, and it was about this big. It was yeah. a little tiny phone. So I had a StarTac flip phone that it was my dad's old phone uh-huh. that he gave to me. It had like the battery that hooked onto the front, like the outside of the flip phone. Anyway, I, I got rid of that when I turned, I guess it would be 16, so it would have been like 2000. Right. Is that when the year Spider-Man came out? No, it must have no, been when I was 18. So I got, when Spider-Man, the oh, movie came out. Oh, three, I think. No. It, yeah, it was, it was a, 02 or 03. I got right? this uh, phone that looked like a peanut, and it was like a promotional Spider-Man. It was singular wireless. Oh, really? Because that's like what the Siemens phone that I'm talking about. I think it was like. a Siemens that's what it looked like. Was it blue? Um, no, it was gray. Oh, mine and gray. I just remember because it was like singular wireless had like a Spider-Man promotion going on. Yeah, and they had video screens all over playing that mm. Nickelback song. They say a hero can save <laughs> oh, us. Oh, goddamn God. Nickelback! That was like their debut in it the was. Spider-Man, yeah. and they, I love Nickelback. their music video was them on top what of how the dare roof. you say what that? Wind band. blowing through their that face. band is horrible. <laughs> They're a great band. No, they're not. Just great Canadians, you know? Uh, really friendly people. God. Nickelback had some hits. How old are you? Like you 12? Know, you know, a lot of people hate on them, and that's fine, but every single one of us in this room has jammed out to a Nickelback song, do whether you, you want to yeah, like, admit to it or uh, not. So where did the, um, I mean... Where did the hate come from? I've, I don't know. I've been a part of it, too, in my life. Oh, absolutely. I will, I Everybody will, has it became trendy to hate Nickelback. I will 100%... Was it Man-Cow? 
I don't know. That's going back. He's still, he's yeah, still he's still going. But he's not like he was back when he was. Yes, on. he is. He's even bigger. Is he's he on really? WLS. Oh. 890 AM. I remember when he was on Nationally Rock syndicated. I remember when, when the Rock 1035 was the Blaze. Right. What about what was he was what on another was one though? The Pig. He was on. He, so he went from <laughs> that hard rock. Rock 1035. Then he went to Q101. 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 Everybody hated Q101. And all of a sudden, Mankow went on it, and it was like, oh, this is the greatest station ever. I loved Mankow. They were super edgy. He'd always talk about aliens. Turd, turd. Here he comes did. yeah, the turd. aliens oh, yeah. and um, conspiracy, conspiracy theories. theories. But if you listen to him now, he's basically like Rush Limbaugh light. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah he he's was, like a conservative commentator. Yeah. Huh. He had some good, he By the like, way, did you hear, because uh, I grew up listening to Rush Limbaugh with my dad when I was a kid. He's in bad shape, right? Yeah, he's terminal lung cancer. Well, yeah, he's, he's been that way because I'm pretty sure Trump, when Trump gave him like the Medal of Freedom. He had it, yeah, but now it's, yeah. He had that's, it I don't want to bring it down, but I always enjoyed, I mean, I understand politically, a lot of people don't agree with him. But like I literally grew up here. my entire childhood riding around in a pickup truck, listening to Rush Limbaugh. Very and when I got out of that pickup truck and went into my grandma's house, Rush Limbaugh was there. I mean, I just... That the, would explain your conservative views, Chris. Maybe. It's very polarizing. Now you yeah. just... You just you've done up, up your whole podcast. life. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Can't go any further here. I remember one year I bought my grandma. Uh, Rush Limbaugh had his own lives of line of scarves. Like women's scarves. What? I bought my now grandma one for Christmas. Are you that's serious now, or are you are you jacking with Jerry? Because I, I I'm dead serious. So that, not that's something that, we need to get not into. that you that Rush Limbaugh had a scarf that you bought your grandma a scarf a Rush Limbaugh scarf. I did. Yeah. Wow, it's a true story. It's really You're funny because grandson. my grandma and dude's gram, grandma were mm-hmm. friends, and they would play cards together. Bridge. Probably. They were like frenemies oh, almost mm-hmm. because my grandma was like the head of the women's republic Grundy County Republicans. Mm-hmm. Like oh, the really? Republicans, and his grandma was like a huge like women's Democrat. Oh, like, she she big, ran, she was head Democrat of the women voters for thirty years. Yeah, so they were like in the same position, but kind of completely like opposite. Catherine Carey. Well, and again, remember it's a, it was a different time where you, you didn't have to hate each other. You just you know no. And, Absolutely, you didn't. Republicans, and Democrats. Well, you still weren't. don't have to hate. Well, I, I don't. <laughs> no, you don't I mean, have to. What, so, Grandma voted for FDR because he saved the country. You know, back uh, debatable, he, but well, very much so. I, I this is Grandma's point of view, not mine. I'll say that real quickly. That he saved the country, so she voted Democrat party line her entire life. I mean, this woman loved Ronald Reagan, but didn't vote for him. So, interesting. Yeah. How that it, works. Yeah. I just saw a video the other day that was like, uh, it said like people in 2020 and it was a, a video of the same guy. And he's just like, he's like, if you don't vote blue, we're, you know, you're going to ruin the country and this is what you need to do. He's like, but literally like four years ago or five years ago or early two thousands, a guy's like, Oh, Hey, who, who are you going to vote for? He's like, wait, what? You can't ask me that. Like, don't, ask who I'm voting for. That's, that's like super invasive and like very private thing. Don't ask me. But now in like today's day and age, it's like, you have to vote this and you have to vote this. And this is who I'm voting for. Here's oh, what. Well, very that's, 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 a, that's a funny story because Grace said, well, my daughter asked me who I was going to vote for. And I said, well, it's a secret ballot for a reason, Grace. And she's like, what? 
you know, it's a secret ballot. I don't have to tell anybody. And my, quite frankly, it's nobody's business who I vote for. But it's changed so much yeah. to where well, I try to anybody over the age of 18 now is like, well, I obviously have to vote I mean, for this I, person. I have an opinion on this, and I want to let everybody know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Don't vote. Just don't vote. That's I don't wow, think that's the like right a really yeah, at that, all. <laughs> I think that's I mean, really I like wrong. where you're going with this, but uh, no, listen, it's just I'm sick of all the celebrities oh, and all the yeah. people. I that agree. Are like, vote, you gotta vote, vote. It's like we don't need you. We're not children. We don't need you to tell us to vote. Exactly. Shut your <laughs> mouth. <It's> like, <laughs> it, well, you know what? So that's what I'm saying. Don't vote. Don't vote. It's really bothersome that people in that position think that we take their opinion as something that changes our mind. You know what I mean? Like an actor, anybody that we see as famous, which a lot of people do, especially the younger generation, like young kids will take their opinion as something that they need to do. Yeah, but there's kids but are in my, stupid. Yeah, yeah, kids are dumb. Well, and that's also why Hollywood, <laughs> really dumb. Hollywood used to be very conservative. Like California used to be a conservative state back. I mean, if you ever listen to Clint Eastwood talk, to be in Hollywood, to get a job, you had to be conservative because you were a pedestal of society and everybody looked up to you. Wow, how, is that, how that's changed. Well, look, think about it. Like Ronald Reagan so was governor of California. He, he was a Republican. I mean, it's how fast it's changed. Texas... So was Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's true. <laughs> I just well, think that's so Texas was a, a Democratic state because it was, it was a blue state because Lyndon B. Johnson was governor down there. So things are running cycles. I mean, now everybody in Texas is mostly Republican. All the Californians are moving in, and they're turning into a blue state because they're bringing their values down there. And it's, a lot of people are leaving California to go to Texas. Uh, it's it's kind of like uh, it's like the great. Uh, it's kind of like everybody's flight. leaving Illinois. I mean, I'm if I didn't have farm ground, I'd be gone. Well, yeah, but yeah. I well, love Illinois. I don't have a problem. I mean, with the taxes suck. Yeah, well, I don't <laughs> have a problem. Yeah, with yeah, the weather's great too. I mean, I don't mind the weather. I like seasons. The weather doesn't bother what season? me. Season it goes from hot to winter. Yeah, that's the, fine. The taxes are terrible. <laughs> I'm just so sick of like all of the political bullcrap that is so corrupt in the state. Yeah, like there's. It's like when you look everywhere. at it. When you look at it, though, it's like, man, there's really nothing we can do. No. In this state to change anything, it doesn't I, I, matter. I put I put something up on Facebook the other day. It's like um, Illinois has like seventy five hundred units of government, so like governing bodies. Right, they have so and the many next more. Closest state is like a thousand, like seven hundred or something. The the amount of political positions that they've made in this state is just. It's like uh, bodies of government, though. So they're talking like township, school district, right, county. That's what I mean, and, and those are all political positions, right? So it's just way too much. It's yeah, way too much. It is. It's just. It's just too much. Like it's everybody much. doesn't agree with that. <laughs> no, just, everybody agrees with it, but it's like nothing ever happens. The problem is people yeah, feel powerless because I mean, how many of our governors are in prison? Yeah, two, three, none now. I, th- I think they've all paroled. Uh, we're we're trying to get Rod Blagojevich on the show. Yeah. Apparently, he'll do anything for money. He will do anything for money because my brother-in-law mm-hmm. and a group of his friends got him to do a video for, uh, I think it's his bro- for his brother-in-law now, um, for his birthday on Cameo. They just paid him money and on wow. Cameo, and it got, was actually it awesome. was genius. And I want to do it. Yeah, his. 
his new a, brother-in-law this, has it does not like Rod Blagojevich in, in the slightest, but they got him to do a video and wish him that happy is birthday. In, that is ingenious. And he talked for like a solid five minutes, <laughs> if not longer. Yeah, it was longer. Like, and they gave him a lot of information about his life, where he grew up. Oh my god! All of this kind of stuff. And he just kept talking about it. Really good idea. So before we go any further, I want to say hi to all the people on Facebook. We've got a lot of people watching. Hey, everyone. Uh, That's great. We see you. Sorry we're starting so late. You know what? We're a late night show. I'm a bit of a social butterfly. It's like I had some things going on. Late night with Jerry Fallon. I had dinner at at Mustachios. What'd you have for dinner? I'm going there tomorrow. I had the uh, bluegill basket. Like fried... Fried bluegill and places do that. Sounds good. Got some bluegill cheeks. I mean, I'm not going to comment whether wait because I don't want to. I don't want to sway their business. You know what I mean? I gotcha. People can make their own decision. I'm going to be there tomorrow for the first time, and I will make a decision tomorrow night. Well, I'm in a I'm in a I'm in a media position here. I'm gonna I'm gonna very all the eyes are on me. I don't want to wreck a small business. Well, you're very important. I mean, I have been your house. It smells like you're doing leather bound books. No, you're wrecking it right now. How? By not commenting. I'm complicit in my silence. Your silence says it all. I mean, he's the next Anthony Bourdain. I mean, look at him. Um, I hope not, because that would mean you're going to hang yourself. Oh, jeez, My God, way to bring the show <laughs> down, Jerry. Jeez. You're not um, even drinking. Listen, Snarf Talk Coloring Contest. It's in the works. It's happening. People, everybody's got them, right? I got to check on one more person. I think everybody's got responded. them. You guys got four weeks from yeah. today. How about that? Four weeks. So, Like, end of November. It's the end of the contest. 103? 104. Episode 104. We will announce the winner. Okay. You'll win hundreds of dollars. Yeah. In prizes. Cash prizes. Fabulous prizes. Amazon gift card and sweatshirt, t shirt. Uh, Your sister, by the way, said moving to Wyoming. Move to Wyoming. Moving to Wyoming. Best state ever. Why is she moving to Wyoming? No, she's lived there for a few years now. Why is she? I I would go to Wyoming. That was a typo. That's fine. Is it? I can't remember if it's Wyoming or Montana, but there's more people live in Will County than the whole state of Wyoming. It's I want to tell you what yeah. I went to. Cheyenne is awesome. Cheyenne, Wyoming, once. Mm-hmm. That's where my sister lives. Wasn't impressed. Kind of like a big Morris. The only time, yeah, it is literally like a Morris, and that's the biggest town that they've got. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I stayed in a hotel room for one night by the interstate. Yeah, so you can't. <laughs> you have no room to judge. But basically, the town it was just a strip of chain restaurants. Yeah, but Perfect. when I when I was there, it looked like pulling into by the mall in Juliet. So any day of the week, so, like so during you, the during the year, maybe it's not that great. But we went in uh, June or July, and they have Frontier Days. Front, I've heard that's fun. Time. Frontier Frontier mm-hmm. Days is huge, and it's a big basic like carnival. But they also have a giant rodeo, like every single day, concerts every that's single day. Frost the rodeos are amazing. It, that's where Lane Frost got gorded. Yes, is that where they dump all the bodies and? All the bodies go yeah. there in a in gorge. It's a train station. It's actually just like a, a drainage ditch. That's Montana. No, it's in Wyoming. They go over the border. Did they go over the border? Yeah. You don't yeah. dump bodies in Montana. No. Unless you're on an Indian reservation. That's true because things don't always stay buried on the res. That's right. <laughs> We're talking about Yellowstone. <laughs> um, right. Also, by the way, guys, uh, before we get any further, in the next, in the second hour of the podcast, we are doing a top 10. Top 10. Top 
War. Ten war movies Most slash military did, movies. <sighs> Gritty. Slash Actually, action. probably it's in the last be. hour 20, because there's three of us, so we got to mm. leave a little extra. Correct. Time. You're correct. So you keep, <sighs> you keep an eye on that clock. All right. Yes, sir. I will God, do that. he's just spouting orders tonight. He's That's right. very demanding, and I don't appreciate it. So he, at dinner, we had some dinner, dinner conversation, and I thought it was it was it was piquing my interest be- right before I came here. Okay, perfect. I was listening to this podcast. Uh, I can't remember what the guy's name on it wait, was. You were wait, you listening this to podcast this podcast right now? to a podcast. Oh, not right. this one. Oh, okay, man, that's trippy. And it was wow. the science guy, science Neil deGrasse Tyson, related person. Oh, talking about how we're like. A decade away from reversing aging and basically really curing all ailments and reversing aging and people living like they've been saying this for years. Well, that was like he was on. Yes. There was a guy on Joe Rogan said the same thing. That's the guy. That's the one I was talking about. Yeah, me. I, I watched that after you. Oh, me too. well, it wasn't that just yeah. that one. There was another guy after that. You're talking about the one that was Aubrey de Grey. Yeah, Aubrey de Grey from London. Yeah, and yeah. He, he was he's that's what he works in. That's yeah. the field of study is. This was another sure. guy, but that's the same similar yeah. Yeah. S- similar topic. Um, What's the guy's name? That guy was Aubrey de Grey. I can't remember the other guy's name. Anyway, point being, I thought it was interesting it's, because the guys were just saying they're like, "This is a foregone conclusion. Like this is happening. This isn't the issue. The issue is how do we structure our society to yeah. deal with the fact." That nobody can die. Well, if you ever watch the show, people Alter- can still die. I mean, people die of non-natural causes all the time, like car crashes and stuff like that. Right, naturally. Yeah. I guess I should say. But nobody if you ever watch the show Altered Carbon, they kind of hint on that how fast. You're, so the, you, you, the, your 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 uh, mor- morals tend to go down after one or two lifetimes because you don't care about anything. It's it, it, you're a good chance to watch Altered Carbon on. Uh, I try. Netflix. Oh yeah. I, I saw I, the first season. I didn't get into. I didn't start the second yet. It's pretty good, Anthony Mack. I don't think I gave job. it enough time. Yeah, I gave it like three episodes, and it didn't hook me in. And then I just didn't go back. Really? But I will. I can. But yeah, I've dug into the whole not the aging thing. And well, look. I mean, I still look like I'm 18. I mean, it's true. You do, <laughs> real baby, <laughs> baby face. But uh, no, the, the genetics uh, stuff I've dug really deep into and looked at it. I mean, I'm still waiting to go to Panama with you. Yeah, we're going as soon as they'll let people leave the United States. Chris, that's Mexico. Here's the big Anywhere. Nobody from the U.S. can go anywhere because everywhere in the world's like, Americans? No, you're the COVID people. Right, we're the dirty COVID people. (laughs) But let's stay on track here. So here's the issue is that we're already like somewhat overpopulated in the world right now. Yeah, but the idea... We're We're like pushing 9 billion people, right? Like we're 8 billion plus people in the world china's got about seven of those billions yeah (laughs) and then the rest of the world's a little bit more spaced out but the problem is going to be overpopulation of everywhere is it there's lots of room you you say that now but when people is the problem overpopulation or is absolutely i think it'll be resource management resource management and overpopulation but but you get the resource management from the overpopulation yeah but this is the point that i'm bringing up this was what the guy was saying he's like the science isn't the hard part yeah it's the society that's the hard part so i mean a lot of issues get solved i mean because huge issue water right that's one of the main we don't have enough of it Right. So clean, yeah, drinking water. We got fresh water. Fresh water. Fresh water. 
Now we can desalinate water all day long, but it takes a lot of electricity. It's not cost effective. So as soon as we can get fusion energy or something that's has is anybody, free energy, wait, is it fusion has anybody fission? watched Waterworld? Either or. I mean, well, they have fusion reactors now. Fission. Has, has anybody watched Waterworld, though? I mean, they figured it out in that movie. What, living on the water? You just pee into this little contraption and you can drink it. Done. You can drink your urine now. It's, Kevin it's, Costner it's clean. figured it out. Yeah. It's sterile wow. and I like the way it tastes, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. You can't pee into a Mr. Coffee and get taster's choice. All right? It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So is I can't remember. Is fission at room temperature or is fusion at room temperature? Well, fusion is like the process that happens on the sun. Okay. So, no. There's cold fusion, but that's not real. And, and that's what they're trying to... It was in the movie The Saint with Val Kilmer. But. And Chain Reaction with Keanu Reeves. Yeah. That's a good movie. That, that explains a lot if you watch it and you think about it. We can't have clean energy overnight. Uh, but fusion... They have working fusion reactors. Yeah, they're small scale, yeah, uh, but they're way safer than uh, That's our the, current uh, nuclear. Well, they're building one, the Daisy Change module, uh, a nuclear reactors down in Arizona. They're like double over budget. They're like four billion dollars over budget, but they're supposed to. The, the so whole I, thing with nuclear is ridiculous because it's clearly the, what we should be doing. The best source, but of there's no well, yeah. political will, and people have so many misconceptions. They go, well, look at Fukushima. It's yeah, like, that's what Brown rolled Fukushima was old as shit. And when they built it, they didn't know how to decommission it. Like, they didn't know. It's the exact how same style reactor down. that's in Dresden. Yeah, but it was, it's, there had been upgrades made to Dresden. It's yeah. the same style of a thing. Fukushima, when they, it was also like a freak accident from it, a tsunami. It also was, <laughs> yeah, but you have to have them freak accident proof. Yeah, I mean, exactly. So Dresden has been but planning still, for like, very few thousand year floods. For a long time, because they constantly contact us and talk about like, well, in this situation, how many feet would the river rise? <laughs> like, I don't know. Thirty-two. You'd have, to, you'd have to take in literally, like, if you have somebody doing this, get them to figure out how much water would be collected in this watershed that would come into the Illinois River, and then you can figure that out. But me, I don't, I don't, I don't do. That. I just make the lock up and down. Do, I tell guys like. You better open some gate. Open that up. Get, yeah. get the dam up a little bit. She's at nine foot, boys. Got to get her up. And once the dam's open all the way, there's literally nothing we can do. <laughs> they just, like, just kick back, uh, smoking cigarettes. I'm it. like the Drinking guy that stands out there in my underwear with that like Canadian flat hat on, <laughs> drinking Shitter, a beer. Shitter's full. <laughs> I'm like, man, open that bitch up a couple times. But it's like, a river's full. <laughs> River's full. Like, Open her up, guys. Yeah. Hey, Clark. River's full. I can see. That's all I tell Hey, we got another dead body over here. Bring the poking stick. Oh, there he went. Never mind. <laughs> I can see Jerry down downtown Joliet there by the locks just sitting there. No, no, no. I'm outside of Morris now. Oh, just, don't worry just, about I just, Don't bring Just Joliet. peeing off the lock, you know, like my 12-year-old son. Just Sur- surveying his domain. Yeah. That's what I do. Open up gates up. There's dead bodies all over. <laughs> I am the law. They're like, Jerry, quit peeing. And I said, look at it. I'll never stop You look peeing. at it. I'll never stop peeing. You watch me. <laughs> I'll never stop peeing in this river <laughs> till I'm dead. It's sterile. And I like the way it tastes. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Now open the gate. <laughs> 
So that's what I do for a yeah, living. That's called being a lock master. Yep, that's it's so that how, easy. How did you become the lock master? I applied for the position and got it. And by the way, when are they changing the name? Because it's not politically correct. It's, We've already talked about it. Oh, yeah, we have really? discussed this before. Yeah, I don't see it happening unless we're the banning president. the word lock, uh, master. Uh, I don't uh, know. Oh, who, I thought you were going to ban the word lock. So if you look at the actual position description and the name of it, it's that's not the name of it. Where Lockmaster came from, no idea. None. I but don't you know. enjoy it. It came from Britain. I clearly. was just told that that's what we're called. <laughs> yes, obviously. It's definite monarchy. It sounds like a British name. Yeah. Hmm, Lockmaster. That, that was not a British accent. No, it was, uh, I don't know what that was. Spanish, maybe? It sounded kind of like Mufasa. <laughs> <laughs> it was not Mufasa. Everything the water touches is my kingdom. No, it's everything that was actually light. really good. Yeah, man. I get it now. Yeah. Water. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a joke. Yeah, it was a good one. I liked that <laughs> joke. <laughs> it was so good. Um, wait, but Mufasa wasn't like in charge of the light. No, everything the light touched, he was in charge of. Yeah, like right. Killing all the zebras that didn't need to but be not alive. necessarily in charge of the water. I wonder if he would have known that the light touches. But Jerry, you are in charge of the water. To take over the world. He was a stupid lion. <laughs> yeah. Lions are so dumb. Dumb fuck. <laughs> they are so dumb. Like if you give any sort of like, like problem to solve in front of a lion, they can't do it. No, they're so dumb. Yeah, it's like they don't even have thumbs. They're like half as smart as a monkey, and monkeys are. Idiots. Monkeys are way smarter. A crow is incredibly smart. Them sons smart of bitches are smart. Compared to a lion. Lion, they'd die way before a crow would ever die. Crows can solve little problems like a three-year-old. I, I mean, I, crows are smart. Like, you can see them on a tree, and they'll sit there and stare at you. You go get your gun to go shoot them. They use they, tools. They take off. They, they're highly intelligent. There is some weird shit that we don't know about, because there was this guy uh, talking about that I heard... He was talking about some experiments they were doing with rats, okay? Mm. And they taught rats... Dirty rats. ...how to do this maze here, like in the United States. They've been putting rats in mazes Listen, for a long time. I'm not done with the story. Yeah. And then they found out that rats on the other side of the world, on the earth, in a different location, were able to figure out the maze. Because of some kind of collective intelligence situation. Telekinesis. Some sort some sort of genetic intelligence. Isn't that That weird? they could like what? send to each other? I, I don't know the details of this. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. But I'm going to look it up. Entertain yourself. So, okay. No, but you're saying so a rat solved a problem on one side of the earth where they had never had a rat do it before on the other side of the earth, and then he just knew, or she, yeah, there knew was some to sort solve. Of, yes. You know, I heard this Could story about a dog. Could it have just been like this rat solved the problem? Yeah, that's where I was going to no, make a joke about it. it's impossible. <laughs> yeah. It was an impossible maze. They had to teach the rat. <laughs> okay. So they taught one rat, and the other rat figured it out. Did yeah. they try it with multiple rats? He's talking about telekinesis. I know he is. It's like... Mind bullets. So... <laughs> So the rats are like Professor X. Um, I don't know. I need to find the story exactly, but it might have been like the offspring of the rats. I'm going to text Jerry. Which either way, that would be pretty incredible. So they taught the rats to do this maze, and then like the rats' children knew how to do the maze without being taught. 
Oh, so like, it was right. like a genetic intelligence. Genetic memory. Genetic memory. That, yeah, that I can understand. I don't believe it. You're no. full of shit. Well, I, I mean, he didn't, I didn't make that. I didn't uh, in, make I this that, You know, you won't comment about Mustachio's bluegill basket, but you'll make up a story about genetic rats. <laughs> Here's the funny part about this. Your sister, rats. your sister commented, Chris, and said the last time she was at Mustachio's, she had the bluegill basket as well. Huh. Must be a family thing. Did she say how good it was? Because... I'm, I'm dying her, to know. How good was it? She Maybe. also commented and said, crows have been in a genocidal war with gray horned owls for years. What? what? <laughs> wow. Your sister commented and said, crows have been in a genocidal war with great horned owls for years. What does Some, that mean? Somebody's been I watching want, way too much I National Geographic to Channel. more about I know. That. We need to know way more about that because I would if, actually like to see a great horned owl and a crow go at it. That I have an owl, a big ass owl that lives in my but yard. But like owls are... You don't see owls that often. They're not one that lives in my yard. Yeah, exactly. And you see it all the time? Yeah, it's huge. Really? You see it during the day? Yeah, I see it during the day. Impossible. That's that. That's like, I thought they're invisible. And the then day. the other day at my house, I walked out of my house in the morning, and there was a freaking hawk sitting on the cab of my truck. Yeah, I had that happen at my truck too. It's weird. Like, just just chilling, huh? Just chilling. But I had one run. Is he fly directly into the side of my house, right in the windows on the west side? Boom! Flew into the window, oh. dropped down, walked around my house, and hopped up on the top of my truck. And just sat there. And I didn't know Buddy what to do because I felt like he was going to scratch the crap out of my truck with his large talons. Or, or so I just let him sit there until he flew away. Just let him sit there and chill out like, like Chris did? Yeah, but you did don't you shoot see, it. I did thought you shoot owls were invisible. I did shoot it. Yeah, I shoot it. You I threw shoot, a shoe you, at it. <laughs> so so <laughs> or, or owls are not broom. invisible during the day. No, no. They're very much invisible. Like Predator? Hmm, I thought they had a cloak. Interesting. A genocidal war. That means like they're killing each other off, right? Like so great horn, horned owls have a dictator that is yeah. collecting crows or vice versa. The crows have a dictator collecting great horned owls or what did she say? Gray? Gray owls or something? Great horned. Um, and they're just, they're murdering them. Because... Uh- and, and the genocidal aspect of it means they want to eliminate all crows purely based on the fact that they're crows. Oh, well, coyotes do the same thing with foxes. Really? The first thing coyotes do in the movie, they, why don't you... I have a friend that has a pet fox. I would love I mean, to raise a fox. Is that crazy? He's I would love to raise Snapchat a fox. Snapchat all the time. We had one of him and Tom was on because it's the only place he could live because the coyotes couldn't Your get sister him. said, it's true, you need to listen to the podcast, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. There's one about crows, and it's super interesting. Hmm. Stuff they don't want you to know. That seems like one of those catchy tags that yeah. they put on like really shitty videos that make no sense. It's you just like clickbait Clickbait. Yeah. yeah. That's what that sounds like. Yeah. A clickbait podcast, Mandy. It's not real. But crows are very smart, very yeah. intelligent. Not smart enough to dodge a bullet. Tony Ely said, is this the Alex Jones episode? What's with the rat telekinesis talk? Um, it's called Morphic <laughs> Resonance. Morphic Ooh, Resonance. You have you Brains piqued my curiosity. Of two rats linked halfway across the world. Neuroscience are practicing telepathy. In a recent study, the brain signals of a rat performing a task in Brazil were transmitted to another rat in North Carolina 
to help it perform the same task. So this is what strange. kind of tech? Yeah, original uh, Nicholas Nikolasis, originally from Brazil, but now at Duke University, made use of his ties by coupling the rats all the way from Brazil to North Carolina. The techniques he used are nothing new. Scientists routinely use electrodes to record or stimulate brain activity in rob- ro- rodents. Nikolai's lab itself has pushed. Uh, so how did he monitor the I'm trying situation? Trying to figure that yeah. out. Um, with recording electrodes implanted in the brain, the rat in Brazil was presented two levers and taught to press, press the lever above, which turned a light on. If it picked the correct level lever, it received a drink reward. After some training, the rat was able to press the correct lever 95% of the time. Each time it performed the task correctly, it recorded brain signals were sent over the internet to Duke, where they were decoded to a pattern of electrical stimulation in the brain of a second rat. The decoder rat was presented the same choice of levers, but did not receive any light cues. It relied solely on the signal sent from the encoder rat to make its choice. Even without cues, it chose the correct lever 70% of the time. That's wild. Yeah. But that's using electrodes. There's something else with this morphic resonance. But it doesn't really matter if morphic resonance is real because the name is so cool. Just call it telekinesis. Uh, it's a pretty cool name, but no, it's not. either way, morphic resonance. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't. You sound know what it means? What is the this idea wizardry? of mysterious telepathy type interconnections between organisms of and wow. of collective memories within species? So it collective genetic, memory. So it's it is genetic, like a, it's a genetic memory. memory, basically. But did the rat from Brazil? This was that was different because they were actually. Transmitting it. That's what I mean. Brain. That's different because they weren't like relatives of each other. They were I two didn't separate do a lot rats. Of research before bringing this up. This is yeah, crazy. I mean, it is strange though. It's something to yeah. think about. Maybe we should look into this. It's the stuff they don't want you to know. This. You're right. What doc- I think there's memory. What doctors in don't want you to know. I think there's genetic memory. I believe that. I genetic I memory. I, I can understand. Memory yeah. in nature. Yes, it's I think it, there's it's ways. called instincts. I think uh, if you if you talked to Native Americans or American Indians, mm-hmm. um, they bo- they would probably submit that they have ancestral connections with their ancestors. I would. That they're agree. able to speak with. Maybe that doesn't mean um, literally. The fridge is open. Just noticed. I don't know why that's open. <laughs> it just bothers me that it's open. Hold on, I'll go wasting, fix it. I'll go fix wasting it all of your cold air right there. What are we? Cooling the outside. It's no. global warming, Jerry. I'm trying to solve the problem. Um, um, yeah, that's strange. We are at a solid 34 minutes. Do you want to move on? Or do you guys do you want watch to anything? continue to talk about rats? Okay, fine. Chris. We'll talk more about morphic resonance another time. Do you have any news? Um, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger had heart surgery. I don't know what for, but he did. <clears throat> but he's still alive. I mean, I had heart surgery. What did um, he do? Quibi. Uh, Do you remember me talking about Quibi? Yeah, it failed miserably. Oh my gosh, did it fail miserably. And they even they put out this like press release thing uh to all of its like stockholder like shareholders and stuff, big like wealthy people. And they ended up getting like two point eight billion dollars donated to them to keep to keep everything running, and they failed still after that. Now China, there's a this video giant in China, it's IQIYI, is trying to 
get a hold of Quibi for a no cash deal, just take it over. Just wants to take all their stuff. So isn't that the company that owns TikTok? No. I don't I don't know. Quibi? No. No, IQ, IQI. I'm not sure. I don't know. But uh they're trying to license like all the content on Quibi to this Asian um company and get rid of it. Either way, it's it's done. It's done donezo. So either somebody buys it up and license all the stuff or it's never to be seen again. But that was a huge failure. What did they think was going to work about short little like two, it's like anywhere from two minutes to 20 minute shows uh, that you can only watch on your phone? I don't know. There, here's the problem. There's a fallacy in the world of like entertainment that like Americans or people have short attention spans. Mm-hmm. And there's basically no support to that. There's no evidence. There's no that. evidence of that. And it's actually everything flies in the face of that as far as like people are hungry for long form content. Yes. Yeah. So, and they, and that's the complete opposite of what they were doing. They were going the short form way and thinking except that for your dad. Everyone were boring and I, wants us to be shorter. I know. I saw that he put a, like a sleepy face, right? Is that what he did? Didn't you see in the yeah, comments yeah, he put like the sleepy face? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know why they thought people would only watch a 10-minute episode on their phone and think that this is the content everybody wants. I mean, YouTube has that already, right? Yeah. People are creating that kind of stuff on YouTube. Nobody wants a like an episodic show that's only 10 minutes long. Nobody wants that. No, I agree. And I bet you they'll agree now, too, because it <laughs> obviously did not work. Uh, let's see. That's all I got, really. That's all you got? That's really Should we do got. some what you're watching before we get too much more into uh, our top 10 war movies? Yeah. I only got a couple. I only have uh, one. I'm still just watching Star Trek Discovery. I haven't watched much else. Uh, that's so good. It is super good. Where you at? Uh, middle of season two. Oh, uh, yeah. It's the- it starts to get... Season one's fucking awesome. Two gets good pretty quick here. I'm telling you, everybody can watch this show. You don't need yeah. any Star Trek knowledge. No, you don't. You don't even really have to be a sci-fi fan. No, it's you not don't. super sci-fi. Mm-hmm. No? It's, it's kind of an action thing. Yeah. Then it's not like Voyager or Enterprise that was like way technical. Yeah, you know? but the acting is outstanding. The guy who does the big, tall alien, I can't remember, the, the yeah. Captain of Discovery. Uh, uh, starts with an S, but I can't remember. Yeah, It's... It's amazing how good. It's great. Of makeup, the, I'll call it. The only thing I'm not crazy about is the Klingons. Yeah, I just it's they like, totally messed up the Klingons. They, well, I don't know that much about the Klingons to begin with, but I don't think they look great. And also, well, they were trying to reinvent the 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 Klingons again, and they should have just left them the classic. Okay, and that, remind me in the classic Star Trek, were the Klingons supposed to be like? Because they're basically making them into like Middle Easterners. Like they're basically like it's like a Muslim. The Klingons, their whole culture revolves around war and honor. You, you, you but die. it's very religious. Yes. And the, even how they like their, well, I would say their language probably hasn't changed. So maybe that's the way they're always portrayed. I don't yeah. know. They just change. It's supposed to be early on and they, they changed a lot of things. It anyway, about, it's yeah. a great show. I enjoy it a lot. Uh, you're the one that recommended it to me, and mm-hmm. I'm glad that you did, and that I watched it, because I liked it a lot. Season three is coming out. 
It's out. It started. It? Yeah. yeah. The only it. other thing I watched is I started the uh, new Borat movie. How is it? Super so, political. So I uh, just yeah. kind of got. So it's that, got it. That's what I was going to bring up too. Is it's got an eighty-four percent critic review on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's got a pretty good score there. And the, honestly, the the viewer review was only at eighty-two percent. It's very. That's still just pretty a, high though. Yeah. It's just uh, I watched like the first half hour. Honestly, I didn't turn it off because it was political. I just fell asleep. But it. It was funny. It's Borat. It's Borat. It was funny enough. Yeah. He's got a daughter. Even as political as he could get. I don't know. How political can Borat get to where it's like... I mean, the whole beginning is super political because like, the whole idea of the movie is just basically like bashing Trump. Makes sense. Like His government sends him to the United States to present a monkey as a gift to Vice President Mike Pence. That's the that's what the movie's about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that interesting. It doesn't. But that's I mean it's not that obviously. I, you know I, what I mean? Like that's a loose thing, but that's what it is. Right. What what have you been watching, dude? Uh I just finished The Boys season 2 tonight. Oh. It is so good. Yeah. So good. We've been talking about that for a while. Everybody needs yeah, to be watching that. Uh, I'm so glad you watched it. Uh, Yellowstone, of course. You haven't seen you haven't seen Yellowstone. Watch I have season three. Yeah, I've seen all of them. It's I'm awesome. up to date. The the okay. I'm not a huge fan, but I'm not not a fan. It's yeah, a soap opera. It is. It is it's a, like Days it, of Our Lives. It is a West. drama. It is a drama, and it's set in a mountain esque valley about how this farmer or rancher owns the entire valley yeah mm-hmm. which to me is cool and i'm sure that's there's some families out there that do own that much acreage but you need a lot more ranch hands than what they have it's it even it never seems like they have that much cattle well, they have five hundred thousand acres so and they have like a hundred ca- so uh, had a cattle uh it's a tv that seems low <laughs> it's a it drama and the guy the older grand chan forgot his name who has the uh, a white mustache uh, carries the forty-five. Uh, Walter Brimley, no, Wilfred Brimley, Wilfred. No, he, he's uh, I know he's who you're a, talking about. Yeah, he was actually a guy who, who was Beatles. brought in to help out, and then uh, they made him on the sh- in the show. And there's a couple YouTube videos where he says, "Hey, I know that this stuff isn't real, but it's a TV show about our way of life and culture. I mean, it'd, it'd be like having a TV show about farming in Illinois. I mean." Our lives are pretty boring. That's well, wrong. Actually, my life's not. But you ever met you ever met the host of uh, Snarf Talk? We're not boring. No, you're not. That's why I'm your guys' friend. We're guys pushing awesome. the edge of what farming in Illinois can be. You know, <laughs> farmers of Illinois. I know it. It does get pretty wild around here. Um, but at the yeah. season three finale is she? I'm, I mean, I, I want um, to see season four. Yeah, exactly. I need to know what happens. But I don't I think it, give it that. they all die. It's no, way it, over the top. It's not Game of Thrones. I mean, I, it no. is basically Game of Thrones. They're not going to kill off any of the main characters. They better. They're going to kill somebody. They got to. Guaranteed. People die on that show every fucking week. You know yeah. what? I bet you it's not. Oh, it, yeah. Somebody, somebody's going to die. More people die in Yellowstone it's not than Kevin, Game of It's Thrones. not Kevin Coster. No, you know what it isn't? Uhtred, son of Uhtred. It isn't. That's true. This show. My God. You're son missing of, out. Son of Uhtred. You haven't heard us talk about this show? I haven't watched like in three weeks. I've been a little The Last Kingdom. Oh, yes. I started that and I got like through three or four of them and I went, 
yeah, you're going to lose the rest of your life. Like it's taking me forever to watch all of this because they're just so long. So, uh, but we were, we watched one episode in in seasons, season four, which is the last season. So we've got like, Oh, you're getting there. Yeah. Nine or 10 episodes left. I can't remember how many are in. There was 11 episodes in season three, which was the longest season so far. Um, this one, I don't know how many episodes are in it, but we're in the last season right now. That's available to anyone to stream. So that's amazing. I'm going to start watching the Mandalorian. October 30th. Next Friday. I'm excited about that. Yeah. So new season. Are you guys going to have a podcast after the episode or uh, talk about it or? Probably not. Hopefully before. Yeah, it'll probably be before that. Yeah. Hopefully before. Um, what I have watched, is that all you've watched? I was going to get. Uh, I, I can't remember. All. I've been, it's been a couple months since I've been on. I've watched a ton of stuff. I mean, if I, you guys, I'll chime in on anything. So I haven't watched that much. I'm still continuing with, uh, um, uh, Mercedes man, is that what it's called? Mr. Mercedes. Mr. Mercedes, the book that I've read from Stephen King, there's a, a show about it. I'm halfway mm-hmm. through season one. It is continuing on with like exactly what the book is. It, it is to the T what the book is. Really enjoy it. It's just, I start watching it at like late at night and it is, you know, I, I could only get through one episode and then I'm, I'm spent. Um, but what I started watching last night, I watched two episodes of it last night since we didn't record. Um, and I was very intrigued and that was utopia. That's, I talked about that. I know you've watched it and that's why I started watching it. Utopia. So it's on on Amazon. Amazon. Um, it was a British show. It's a BBC show, but they've remade it for us, like for the Americans, dumb Mm -hmm. Americans, right? We can't handle BBC stuff. So we have to remake them into our own thing. But uh, it's like based off of a, a graphic novel called Dystopia, and everybody's looking for the second book, Utopia. And in the show. In the show. And it's literally like um, like seeing the future. It's like oh. predicting the future, and there's a certain group of people that see this in these books and assume like that this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then there's these, uh, what do they call them, hunters that are coming to like kill people. It's very interesting. I'm very interested in this. Yeah. Uh, the first two episodes were awesome. The first episode I thought was incredible to start off a series. Like I thought it was a really good way of starting it off. It immediately gets you involved with everyone. Like there's certain characters that aren't main characters, but you're involved with them because they mm-hmm. have a book. And then there's a certain set of characters that are the main characters looking for it, going to a comic con. I like the aspect of the whole comic book genre being um, in this like world. They're in this world of that, but they're on an opposite side of it. Like there are the cosplay people that are looking at it as like a really good writing. I love this writing. And then there's this other group of people that are looking at it so detailed oriented saying like, no, this leaf looks like Uganda and all of this stuff. Like it looks like Uganda, the Zika virus, like this is killing this person. And they just go so in depth with it, but obviously they've got to be right because otherwise the show wouldn't exist. So, yeah. well the show, I mean, you're right at the beginning. Yeah. It changes frequently in tone and in storyline. Oh really? Um, what you think it's about becomes something else and then becomes something else again. 
It's a, it's a good show. I, I enjoy interesting. It. I, it's I, not perfect. It's not oh, perfect. No. But it's uh, it's definitely intriguing. Like it, it isn't slow. Um, it paces itself pretty well. You'll watch it really quickly. Yeah, you'll get through it really fast. There's not that many episodes to begin with. Well, but. and honestly, I watched those two episodes, and I was just like, oh, I guess I'll go to bed. I could have watched another two, yeah. I felt like, because it was very quick. It was a quick watch for even it being two hours, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt pretty quick, so um, uh, I'm intrigued to see more of that. I also started uh, Loveca- Lovecraft Country on HBO. I've oh. been thinking about starting that. I've heard very, very yeah, good there's been a lot of Some good people love it, and some people absolutely hate it. Oh, really? So It's got know. wizards in it. I'm in. Yeah, I, 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 like I figured wizards. you guys. Yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, who doesn't like a yeah. good wizard? Yeah, it, it's it's kind of out there. I'm, uh, but it's Lovecraft. I mean, Lovecraft like stories are way out there. That's way. I mean, out there. and they they touch on that first thing, and I had to research because I had no clue what they were about. And I'm like, oh, oh, ooh, and then they hit on it really fast. Yeah, Lovecraftian stories are very. I, I was just kind of turned off because I've heard some people say, like, it's not that good, but everybody's acting like it's super good because, because it's it's like a diverse um, cast and, and stuff like that. So everybody has to say how amazing it is. I mean, I'm, they, they, I should watch it and judge for myself. They, yeah, they hit so. on a lot of the uh, social acts. But yeah, it's very so, it's like political and yeah, social. Yeah, if you're back in the... 40s and 50s of segregation in certain areas. And, I mean, yeah. But that was accurate to the time. Yeah, it was. Oh, it just how it was. Especially yeah. of when it was written. It's horrible. Um, I mean, it's accurate to that time. So, I mean, it may seem like it's more on point to today's day and age only because of what's going on. But at the point that it was written, I mean, that's what was happening. I mean, then to be honest. Well. A lot of people said the same things about The Watchmen. Yeah. And it's one of the best shows ever. Yeah. Right. So, there you Very go. good. And, then, and it's canceled. I never watched it. Not canceled. Just he decided he didn't want to do anymore. It that's did right. very yeah, well. Yeah, that's right. He just decided he was done. Yeah. yeah. It did very right. well. It won a bunch of awards. <laughs> he should keep going. It should keep going. But he made a story. That that's all he wanted to do. And there is a bit of a cliffhanger ending, but not really. It's just like a inviting you for more. You could have more, but, but you don't need more because it, it the story is. completed itself. Yeah, it did. So, what are you guys that's excited sad. for that's coming out soon? Besides Mandalorian, the Mandalorian. I that's mean, it. That's about it for me right now. <laughs> At this point, that's all Wanda I know. Division looks incredibly good. Yes. Uh, what, there's another one coming out. Uh, Witcher Two comes out in the. That's a ways spring, off. Spring, spring or summer. I mean, I'm. Of course, uh, that's probably what I'm more looking forward to than anything. Yeah, yeah, but have they even filmed any of no, that? No, I don't think they started. They, there were some pictures leaked of uh, a girl's new armor and Siri training at Caramore. So huh. it looks pretty good. Then the Batman. They're never gonna finish filming that movie. They're film. They're in production it, right it now. It looks amazing. They just moved it back another year. Yeah, we got a whole another year to go. I know. I'm so disappointed. Really bad. All right, we should start start this top 10. We're at 51 minutes. Let's get into it. So we're doing our top 10 war movies. Um, Chris threw one together real quick because he hates war movies. He hates top yeah. 10s. He hates me. I heard he hates veterans, um, too. He doesn't like anything about it. He was very against this topic. He, he walked in, and he's like, really? We're doing this top 10? 
It's been a struggle tonight. <laughs> None of this <laughs> is true. Um, uh, I did very. You did walk in and say, "Really, we're doing this?" Well, I did. I wasn't prepared, so mine is a little hastily prepared. But they are all movies I like. I don't know order wise, whatever. But um, I am way more of an expert on this than either of you two. That's true. Um, I of actually, war movies, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I took okay. a film studies class in college called War Movies, nineteen twenty to present. Okay. Yeah. Where for Which an entire pre- semester, present ended in two thousand what four? I don't think he's telling the truth, Jerry. I am one hundred percent telling. No, the truth. we've talked about this class yeah, before, but I that, know. but what was it? Nineteen twenty to present. Actually, it ended. In, it was nineteen twenty to like the Vietnam War era. Oh, okay. Oh, so God. there's a lot of movies yeah, that I came after that. So anyway, my point is, I critically looked at these movies. Okay, I wrote papers about them. A couple, many. So you only picked the ones that you knew of from this class. No, I did not. Not any of the ones that came after. I didn't. I'm just saying. He went on Google and went, doo, 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 doo. Yeah. Oh, look, there's I, a list. I learned more about critically critical analysis of film and specifically war films than you'll ever know oh, as a okay. human being. Wow. Right. That's true. So there you go. Just I just wanted to let um, you know. All right, that's cool. So I want to hear his perspective of college Versus a veteran that got shot at. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, on war I'd also movies. like to understand your guys' perspective of war. Okay, but I'm talking about <laughs> But he knows movies? more about... <laughs> right, that's I don't, true. I don't know. There's one, movies. There's one movie that I'm critical of that I have on my top 10. Okay. Ooh, of war. My number 10 is uh, Bridge on the River, River Kwai. Mm. It's a great movie. It's fine. Yep. It's... A classic. It is a classic. movie. It absolutely is. I just like others yep. better than There's this, a lot of other. You're, you're, I, you're right. It was my number 10. Yep. So, oh. as far as a straight war movie, it's now, a great war action movie. Yeah. 1957. Um, the year my mother was born. There you go. Um, I don't know. I mean, I it, it actually won the Academy Award for Best Screenplay. Yeah. Um, it's the highest grossing movie of 1957. It's very critically acclaimed. A lot of people talk about that movie being yeah. a very good war movie. It was. I, I really enjoyed it. That is one that we had to watch for that class. I had never seen it before then. And it was a super enjoyable movie. Yep. Yeah. So I just feel there's better ones. There are nine better ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number 10 is Fury. I never saw it. You, you never know, saw Brad Pitt? No, in, I never tank. did. I did watch it once. I need to watch it again, though. I, I, it's not an Academy Award winner by any means, or I, I doubt any of the kids in college are going to study it. But it's just an easy watch. It, I mean, it's a good action flick. Where I think it's super interesting because the majority of the film is is literally filmed inside of a tank, like one tank yeah. with this one group of people, and they're stuck in this one tank. Well, the, the, the that's tail really end, hard to do. Was it the tail end World War Two where yeah. the Germans are, you know? not retreating but they're giving up their last stand and all these guys have been there forever and they just want to go home and they're doing everything they can to survive and they get a new guy and tank breaks down and they got to defend isn't Shia LaBeouf in that Shia he LaBeouf is, is in he it. was like super method for this movie it, it, too it, he gives a very good performance he's a good it, actor it pissed off everyone in the movie like there was a bunch of uh, like issues with all of the actors and Shia LaBeouf 
in this movie because he didn't bathe. He wouldn't walk. He wouldn't like brush his teeth or wash or anything. And he'd come to the set and he'd smell bad. And all of the actors were complaining about him smelling bad and not bathing or taking care of himself. And he's like, listen, like this is what, like we wouldn't have been able to do that. We're stuck in a tank. So, and they all complained about it and didn't want to be around him because of that. I thought that was funny. It's a good movie. <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, so my number 10 is uh, Hurt Locker. It Ooh. is the movie of yeah, the Iraq War. Movie's awesome. Yep. I like very it, good. but I've been very critical of it. I It took me like nine years to watch this movie. So it came out the year that I got back from Iraq, mm-hmm. and I refused to watch it. It wasn't because like I was like all worked up about war. It was just like, I don't need, I don't need to see this. I've already, I've seen it. It doesn't like, this means nothing to me. It didn't feel the same as watching like a world war two movie. Right. Right. Like I saw a bunch about it and Nate was all about it. Nate wanted to watch it. it, Like, uh, like too modern. Yeah. Like too. it didn't feel the same to me to watch a war movie that you experienced. yeah, Yeah. Really? Yeah. That I experienced. And it just was like, eh, I don't really need to see it. So I didn't for a long time. And then I watched it, and it was literally just a couple of years ago. I watched it. Loved, I, I loved the movie. I was overly critical in points, like just because I was, and I don't feel like I should have been. Very good movie. Pretty accurate to what like an Iraq war was. And I enjoyed it. That's why it's my number 10. It's a really good movie. I love yeah. it. It is a good movie. I've only seen it's, it like once it when it came out because I don't feel it's like big it's like on, a uh, repeat, big repeat watch movie. No, it's not. No, it's not. Once it's big you, on EOD, so like explosive ordnance detection. So right. they were big on bomb detection and Catherine Bigelow. Right? It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah once you she, see it, it's like, ooh, man. You know, she won an Oscar for that movie. Yeah, those guys that did like ordnance detection, all the engineers that went out there. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't want to be them guys. At all. We sat for a long time waiting for those guys to come around. Like, we'd have to sit on the road. Once we'd spot something, like, that we thought was an IED, mm-hmm. we'd sit and wait. And then you'd wait for three, four hours until they'd get to you. And then they'd go up there, and they'd drive up right next to it. And they'd be, like, looking out the window to see if it would go off or not, or to see what it was. And then they'd back up, and they'd put out a little robot guy to drive over there. And then they'd take this robot with an arm on it, and then they'd just, like, flip bombs around to see if it'd blow up. If it didn't blow up, then they'd drive the robot back, and they'd put, like, C4 in its arm, and then they'd drive back out there, and they'd set the C4 down, and then they'd drive back, and then blow it up most of the time. The whole walking around with suits on, I didn't see anybody do that, but it was a lot of robot action. A lot of robots. A lot of taxpayer dollars at work. Yeah, and a long time to wait. Hey man, because it was brutal sitting there. I I listened to this thing the other day, and I can't remember what it was, where it was exactly. I think it was in, it was in some part of the world where there's tons of just like unexploded shit from like World War Two or no, before. That's, that's Vietnam. You're thinking of. And World War II. There's stuff in it, Europe. It, well, it, it wasn't. It was in Europe somewhere. I think it was from World War Two. Like those uh, stick grenades. Mm-hmm. Um, Potato mashers from the that? Germans. Yeah. Because I know in Vietnam, it's a major problem. Because when we carpet bombed them, Operation Rolling Thunder, there's still ordnance that is just everywhere in that country. And Laos. This yeah. 
was in Alaska. It, it was in Alaska. Why? I don't remember why, but this guy was in Alaska researching stuff about like the Inuits and stuff like that. And there's like big areas of these like First Nations lands where they had there must have just been like munitions or something. They must have been keeping munitions there. Yeah. Anyway, they they ha- you can't like do anything you do. You have to have like people going with you because of all these unexploded ordinances that are just laying it's, around. It's not that way. island that the uh, Japanese invaded it, up maybe, in Alaska. Maybe I don't I don't remember exactly. I'll have to think more about it. But I just think it's weird that some of that stuff. I mean, that's from. That's a, 70 years ago or 60 yeah. years ago, whatever it was. Yeah. Turns out explosives are, explosives are and dangerous. And he said, he like, got, you know, most of them, that he never came across one that actually exploded. Oh. Um, well, that's or, good. But the, anytime they came across one. But this is happens a lot of places. Yeah, like, there's this a is lot of places that Europe, are unexploded ordinance are like I mean, killing people. Africa's yeah. a big one. Yeah, Africa's huge. Where they have a bunch of landmines just yeah, laying like, around like, people walking everywhere. by and killing people. Yeah. All the time. It's weird. Yeah. Crazy. Your number nine, Christopher. My number nine is. Um, oh, I screwed that up. My number nine is a uh, full metal jacket, which I bet maybe you guys will have a little higher. I will perhaps. take number nine. Also, is full metal jacket. That's your number nine too. Number nine. Um, Jerry's obviously got it higher. Well, that's we, we said which ones we enjoy, not the best war movies. I enjoy the Full Metal Jacket. It's one of the first, you know. Uh, uh, I think he's saying he's probably got it higher. Yeah. It is uh, an awesome movie. Yep, it is. It has some of the most memorable scenes of any movies. Uh, You're right. Stanley Kubrick is amazing mm-hmm. on point with this it's one. interesting how it's basically two movies there's two separate movies yes, yes. this is what i love about that yeah. movie we'll talk about it we'll more talk later. about it more later so okay. yeah and lee emery ermy arlie ermy arlie ermy was not even an actor he was like come in as a consultant and they're like oh you're just gonna do that he was a legitimate drill sergeant well, in right but in the movie they, he came well, in as a, as a, consultant. a consultant i can't remember if that was his second movie or his I think it was his first movie. Because he was in another one. I can't remember. And what? all of the scenes that he filmed inside the barracks, they were just like, go for it. Do what you do. You know, they had a script, and they're like, we'd like you to do this. And then he just went off and did what he did, and they're like, all right, go to take it take it away. Private Joker. Yeah. take. So, my, And my brother always called me Private Joker because I looked like him, especially when I was in basic training. <laughs> looked like who? Adam Baldwin? Who, who no, was Private, private. Who was Private Joker? I can't remember. I would have to look up his yeah. name. It's again, been a while since I've seen yeah. it. But when his head a- was shaved in glasses, it looks a lot like me. He's just much taller. That's all. That's all it is. Uh, your number nine was dude. Full oh, Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket. My number nine is a movie called Rescue Dawn. I've never heard of it. Really? Mm. You've never heard of Rescue Dawn? I it, have, but. I mean, who's in it? It's a good movie. It's with, let's see, where what's his name? Christian Bale's in it. Steve Zahn's in it. Uh, Jeremy Davies. Um, that's about it that you would know. But uh, so Christian Bale, it's a, based off a true story from Vietnam. Christian Bale's playing, uh, what's his name? Dieter, Dieter Dangler. That's a real name. But it was a Navy pilot that got shot down over Laos and was a POW. Oh. Yeah, and he he was captured. He was a POW. He was in 
a POW camp for like two years, and it's based around him being a POW with Steve Zahn, who is an American soldier, and Jeremy Davies, who's an American soldier, and then they band together and figure out that they are going to break out of this POW camp on the 4th of July. But they've already been like in there for two years, uh, and it's just based around that escape. Right? It's a true story. It's a true story. It actually happened. Um, all of it's true. There's a book about it, and then they decided to make uh, a movie about it, and I loved it. I thought it was super intriguing. Like they show you the extremes of being in a POW camp. Well, first, first he's this pilot that's super arrogant, thinks he's like the best, like the, you know, the biggest shit on the block. Then he gets shot down and he's struggling to try to escape from the Viet Cong. Then he gets captured. And while he's in the POW camp and you see how they're treated and everything that goes on, just insane. And it, it, you know, maybe the movie embellishes, I'm sure it does, but it is based off of a book and the, the guy that lived it wrote the book. So I don't know. I just think it's got to be pretty accurate, but then they hatch an escape plan and just watching them get away. It's almost like a somewhat of a thriller. Like I, it's like a heist, like a heist movie only opposite where they're trying to get out of a place instead of get in a place, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just a really fun watch. I really liked it. And it's super heartfelt because obviously you feel bad for these people that are prisoners of war and they're trying to get out of it. And just like the ending, the ending of the movie while their spoilers are escaping, it's, I don't know. It's incredible. Just the way they had to have felt when all of this was going down Mm -hmm. and like actually being saved at the end. Again, spoilers. I don't, really does that spoil anything you got to figure that this actually happens um them being actually saved like how thin of a margin it was pretty incredible i liked it a lot cool is that christian bale's amazing new movie 2006 came out oh i never heard of it i probably have if i saw like the cover or something i just i didn't see it it's really good I, i liked it a lot uh my number eight is a more modern one it's an iraq War one. Well, oh. Desert Storm. Oh, Desert Storm. Oh, Three Kings. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> my number eight is Three yeah. Kings. I've always loved it. I put it on my top action movies list, too. You right? did, yeah. yeah it's uh, Ice Cube. Yeah, George Clooney. George Clooney. And, and Marky Mark. Marky Mark. Yeah. 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 I've always loved this movie. I, I just think it's a super fun. Uh, yeah. The filmmaking style is super interesting and different. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's also kind of like a heist movie. And, and it was a big deal, it, honestly. When it, it was like yeah, a it was, blockbuster it was movie a when it came out, huge movie when it came out. And I mean, it's not necessarily per se about war directly, but it's like it is. Though. Yeah, I mean, it is. They're yeah. based in a, in war. I mean, it's about something that happens in war to these people. Yeah, you know what I mean. But and to be honest, like the Gulf War was a war. But it wasn't also. Like, there wasn't much ground warfare. It was a policing action. We kind of just walked across the country and it was done. Yeah. Like that's don't. literally it. it. It took, like, a matter of a few weeks. And this was them stealing the Saddam coal. Hussein's gold bullion, right, out of a yeah. bunker. Kuwait. Uh, or Kuwait. I don't know. I don't remember. But anyway, I love the movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And so I had to throw it on the list. My one historic thing of when I was deployed was that 
I was on a mission outside of the city the day Saddam got hung. So the day they were hanging Saddam and he got killed or like hung, we were on a mission and we were stuck on a road because there was just like cars everywhere. It's just like a sea of cars as far as you could see, like cars sitting around and people were standing on top of their cars trying to look. He was hung inside of a building. So he was like inside, but all of these people were literally trying to see it happen. They were like waiting. They're like, yes, we want to see this. Isn't that crazy? It was yeah. insane. It's something I'll never forget. It was unbelievable. But then we just had to like kind of drive over cars and around cars to get where we needed to go because so, we we're like, just get out of the way. It was like such a big deal too because remember the images were broadcast yeah. all over. Of him, of his capture. Yeah. But then, and of his hanging. But not I don't in the United States. Oh, I saw pictures of it. They're all over the internet. Of him being hung? Yeah. I just I, remember I him remember being that. captured. I don't remember yeah. seeing it. But I was also there, so I didn't get much of the like U.S. news or anything. Yeah. Anyway, uh, um, three cakes. So you're number eight. eight. Inglorious Bastards. I love that movie. I love that movie. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. We might talk We're, about it later. Okay. Yeah, we will talk That's about fine. it later. Hey, uh, yeah, it's a great movie. It is. Very we'll good. talk about later. Uh, can I get a five-minute break? No, no. we're live. Okay. So. Oh, we're live. That's right. Okay, I'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do that, that anymore. I mean, if you want to leave, I may have to go outside and we'll talk no, about something I'll be all right. Else. Keep going. My number eight is a movie that came out early 2000s, I think. Um, yeah, it was like 2001. Enemy at the Gates. Oh, that's a great movie. Oh, that's the sniper movie? Yeah, it Russian the sniper. sniper. Classic. In, in the, German, the German and Russian sniper against each other. It was I forgot about that movie. Stalingrad. That's a really good movie. In, yeah. in Stalingrad. Yes. That's a true story. In the Battle of Stalingrad, mm-hmm. it is a true story. And it has... Um, oh, shoot. What's that guy's name? Now I'm going to have to look it up. Okay. Uh, uh, it's... Oh, I can picture Jude him. Jude Law. Yes. Ron Perlman. Yes. Uh... I don't remember who else, but those are the only two people you really need to worry about. Uh, Ralph, Ray, Ray Fiennes, Ralph Fiennes. Yes, and that guy. But the German sniper is a popular actor too. Um, I loved that movie. As it's soon as it came bad. out, I used to watch it over and over and over again. My freshman year of mm-hmm. high school, that's when it came out. My eighth grade freshman year, I would watch that movie over and over again. I loved it so much. The intensity of it was it was super very high. Because you never knew what was going to happen. You didn't know like who was going to shoot at who. There were so many close calls. Yeah, I love everything Sniper. Rachel At Weiss the time, yes, us. she does a... Somebody corrected us? Butt scene. Rachel Weiss. He just wrote Rachel Weiss. Oh. Yes, she, um, she's the female Sniper. But there was just so many times where you think like, oh, here it comes. Like this is, this is going to change the movie. And they miss. And it was just such a great, it's such a great movie. I want to watch it again, like right now, talking about it, because I loved it so much then. It's yeah. pretty. I do want to watch it. And it's too. different. It's different than it any is very different, war yeah. movie that you mm-hmm. normally see, because it is a battle between just two people, you know? And that's and it's a what different it side of World War II that we don't get a lot in the United States. Right. Yeah, you're right. exactly well, in, right. And there's a... The Russian depiction where they sent two guys in with one rifle, that's accurate. Yeah. I mean, they, right. they just they did the that. Slaughter. That they, was a real thing. Yeah. They really good. And shot just as many of their own people running back. <clears throat> it's fact. Um, my number, what are we on? Seven. Seven, Seven is uh, Apocalypse Now. 
It's a good movie. You you have it higher. That's number seven. Yeah, it didn't even, didn't even make my top. It's in my honorable mentions. I I love the movie. It's a great movie. I mean, it, it's classic awesomeness, but it's not my favorite one. So movie. I the, know a lot of people would have it higher. The reason that I don't is because while I love it as a movie, yeah, it's definitely very kind of like an artsy yes rendition of a movie. Like it's not. It's like about the descent into madness. Well, here's what you have to take it as. Like, so it is a war movie, but it's also like a battle of your mind. Like, right. It's, it's the battle is overcoming like insanity and what war can turn you into. Mm-hmm. Right. So like he's literally sent in to try to stop this literal, literal insane dude, but you don't honestly know who's Right. Like who's who's actually sane in this movie? Right. Like, is he completely insane? Like Charlie or not Charlie? Uh, Martin. Martin Sheen's character. Like, he's literally going insane throughout this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he's not. You don't right. really know. You like, don't that's really know what's going on. Through that's it. the movie, and it is artsy. I I get that. It's very filmy, as I would call it. Uh, the director's cut I, is the preferred viewing. Yes, um, part but. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's just not to me like a, a go back to all the time type thing because it's, it's not, a heavy. That's that, what it, it's it a is. Heavy a heavy watch. Movie. I, I couldn't yeah. imagine now really going back and sitting down and watch. I've seen it many times. Mm-hmm. Same here. But going back, the task of going back and sitting down and watching it again with no provocation. Right. Uh, and talk about the epitome of like the thousand yard stare. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that's the movie. It's, yeah, exactly. Harrison. I'd love to go see it. I, <laughs> if it came out in the theaters, I'd go see it in a heartbeat. That I'd love to cool. see it in theaters. Yeah, I agree. Because it, it's a it's a visually interesting movie. So anyway, that's my. No, it's, I like very it. good number. That's your seven. seven, and we'll talk about it more later. I suppose. Your number seven. Dirty dozen. Dirty. Doesn't I don't have that on my list. I don't you know, think I've ever seen it. To be you honest, you ever seen the Derby? That's a classic, so. man. I know I've seen it once, Lee Marvin, if not more. You know? I mean, I know what it is. I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah, no, it's a great movie. Don't you like really go into it or not? No, I mean, you do you whatever you want to do. No, I mean, it's the reason I put it on my list because it's an easy watch. It's a fun movie. It's it's about these uh, convicts from World War Two or, mm-hmm. or not convicts, I should say. Uh, soldiers that are convicts and then they they say okay if you complete this mission it is you, you get to go free and they have to go kill a bunch of nazis you know i love pirate. killing nazis yeah, which is why inglorious bastards with number eight i mean <laughs> who, who doesn't love killing nazis nazis you know that's i just love it i, I remember watching with my dad it's just a great movie so awesome i i i know i've seen it a, at least a couple times but it's it's never one that i've Rang like onto my top 10. That's good. My number seven is probably not on any of yours. And it is a movie called Glory. Oh, is that Denzel Denzel? Washington? It's a Civil Civil War War movie movie with the first black uh, Matthew Broderick, uh, Denzel Washington, Carrie Lewis. I I know I've seen it, but I don't have any memory of it. Morgan Freeman. Yep. My mom, the whole reason I know of this movie, my mom used to watch it all the time. My mom loves the Civil War, everything about the Civil War she's been obsessed with. And anytime this movie was on, she would watch it. Well, I always loved watching the History Channel. Well, 
then the History Channel would play Glory all the time. And I thought it was like, whatever, this is what my mom likes. This is a very, very good movie. I remember I, once I watched I it all the way through on my own. I think Denzel. Mm, no, I think she just loves... Uh, what, why do you say that? Well, she's, you said she's always watching it. She always watches Civil War stuff. Oh, okay. So then like glory would be on all the time or like anything like any civil war movie would be on or any historical thing about the civil war movie war would be on. But anyway, I started watching glory and I watched it all the way through finally on my own. I was like, damn, this is such a good movie. And Denzel won an Academy award, a supporting actor Academy award for this movie. It's very, very good. I'll have to rewatch it. I haven't seen it. The cinematography of the movie is phenomenal. Like the way they've shot the movie, the way the battle scenes happen. um, It's a beautiful movie for, especially when it was shot. It was like an early, it was in the 90s, I believe, that it was shot, right? Um, But very good. It's based on like this group of black Union soldiers um, that nobody liked right and they just used them for a certain mission that they thought was going to be basically uh like a suicide mission that they could just pawn them off and say like this is your mission you're gonna go and die we don't need you anymore but then they're actually successful at it and then they have another mission and they're actually successful at it and then they start to realize like these people are actually very good soldiers and they can do good work um but then uh, what's his name? Matthew Broderick is like a colonel in the, it's either a colonel or a lieutenant, but obviously he's very against them and he's like the protagonist in the whole situation. I don't know. The very whole movie is very good. It's, it's a civil war movie. It's something that you don't normally see and we right. don't ever see civil war movies, especially anymore. Uh, but Lincoln. Uh, I like Lincoln too. That's and a good I, movie. Yeah. I didn't put it, so this is what I was going to ask you before we ever started recording is what we decided as like a war movie, because I consider Lincoln a war movie. And I said that to dude. Yeah, I would consider it. I mean, there's, I guess there's not a lot of like battle stuff. There isn't, but it's based during a war. Yeah. He has to make decisions on a war. I mean, he was like the ultimate wartime president. Absolutely. Right? I mean, he brought war against the I would say him, country. You know what him I mean? and Dwight D. Eisenhower are the two wartime presidents that everybody would talk about. Uh, well, FDR. Yeah, FDR because FDR it was would before be, Eisenhower. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I remember Eisenhower was peacetime president, but yeah. he also he, he never, was. That's what I was thinking of. Is like he was yeah, the right. general during World War II. FDR would would have been the president. He was lieutenant time. colonel when World War when uh, Pearl Harbor was bombed. Did you know that? Yes, but by the end of the war, he was a general. He was five. He, he was a four star general. Yeah, but he 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 also never saw combat. Well, no. Yeah. Most most guys, uh, well, officers don't. Well, back then, if you didn't see combat, it was the end of your career. If you ever read his biography, it's a really interesting read. Really? About I how should. everything in his life was set up for him to become the Supreme Commander of, uh, of Allied Forces. It, it was really, it's really. I just saw him do read. an interview where he was talking about his son, and his son graduated West Point mm-hmm. on oh. D Day. Mm-hmm. So D Day was happening. And his son was graduating West Point, and he was talking about uh, all of these people in the army that died. He's like, we're sending all of these boys off to die. He's like, and then I have to celebrate my son graduating West Point. 
on the same day that all of this is happening, he's like, and I just, he was talking about how like his hopes for America and how this never happens again, how we learn from these. He was a very interesting and candid president. I mean, he was the one that came out as at the end of his presidency and, and just straight up told the American public about the military industrial complex. He, yes. he, he coined the phrase. Yeah. He's one who He's like, listen, it. this is happening. This is a problem and it needs to stop. Yep. And then well, it never people, stopped. And he also <laughs> sent the 101st Airborne into a school to desegregate it too. Yeah. Use military. He really believed that it was the president's job to police, not to set policy. That mean they, he, he, that was his well, big thing. Is the president's that's, job. Yeah. Literally. I mean, yeah. it isn't the president's job to set policy. That's a legislature job. So my number seven, glory, (laughs) Civil War movie. All right. My number uh, six is a Stanley Kubrick movie, Paths of Glory. Paths of Glory. I I don't know if I've seen this. Um, It's a movie from the late 50s. It has Kirk Douglas in it. Good old uh, Kirk Douglas. It is a... It's a World War One movie, oh. which you don't see a lot of. No, um, and it's basically a movie about um, like trench warfare. Yeah, and it's actually kind of an anti-war movie because it's about like um, you know basically this how this uh, trench warfare is essentially like suicide. Yes, bad. And like soldiers refusing to do it, and then like there's a whole court martial situation going on where they're like trying to court martial some of these soldiers for not wanting to basically just run straight into gunfire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a super interesting movie. Obviously, it's Stanley Kubrick, so visually it's very cool. Uh, this, the filmmaking is really cool, but obviously it's going to be have a particular message <laughs> as far right. as it relates to war because he was very anti-war and those types of things, but. Um, it, it it was just a really, really, really solid, good movie. Um, Kirk Douglas is an amazing actor, and it's definitely one that I loved, and I would recommend people to watch. Nice. That's my number six. Your number six, dude. In, in harm's way. It's an old John Wayne Navy movie. I've never seen it. Never seen it. It's uh, Kirk Douglas is in it. Uh, uh. The guy from Rocky, the uh, the older guy, it's it, it, and it, he's a rear admiral that that gets put back into the line to to bring a, an island invasion in, and it's just typical John Wayne comes out of nowhere. Very I, I, to me, I, I grew up watching it, so it's a great to me. I, I love old John Wayne movies. It's that's love the, John Wayne. What's the John Wayne movie? Marion. Um, there's an he's in a lot of war movies. That's his first thing. He's got, that's what he was contracted to a lot of. This was uh, he not, did a ton of war movies before he ever did westerns. Uh, no, they did about the same time because that, that's what was going on was westerns and war movies because all the veterans wanted to, to watch them. And right. oh, the Sands of Iwo Jima, love that movie. Oh too. yeah, that's a good. That, that's a that, John Wayne that movie. made my honorable mention. That, I, I was going to put that instead of in Harm's Way, but uh, I just enjoy I enjoy Harm's Way a lot more. I mean, Sands of Iwo Jima, he's a bastard marine man. He he's a badass. You know that that gets these guys in the shape, that gets them in the shape, and says you're gonna die unless you start listening. Mm-hmm. So and they do. So that's awesome. Yeah, I love John Wayne so I, much. He's so good. He sounded like a terrible person, but I love him. Oh, uh, he had some. 
think I mean, he had some ideals. He was not a good guy. Uh, no, I would say. Well, uh, at, the, at the time, that's he was, times. Yeah, it nine, was we, the times. Yes, those were the times. They were. No, uh, those were the days. <laughs> okay, stop. Also My was, number. He was also very bald. Really? He was. Yeah, he, he wore, he wore a hairpiece. He wore a hairpiece because that was what was expected of him in Hollywood. No way. Yeah, he was very much had a huge receding hairline. Well, you've ruined my childhood. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. That's why I wore a hat. My number six, right? Number six? Sure. Look, yeah. Inglorious Bastards. Oh, oh, yeah. It's a Quentin Tarantino flick. Yep. Um, you're going to have it on your list I coming am. up, yes. Chris? Yeah. Okay. We'll yeah. talk about it then, then. Yeah. All right. Okay. Next. My number five, we'll also talk about later, because it is Saving Private Ryan. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I already know where Jerry's got this. Yeah, because I know he had where he had it on his list of like favorite movies of yeah. all time. Right. So we won't go too much into depth right now. Obviously, this is a movie that everybody's seen. Everybody knows about. Yeah. Um, Tom Hanks. We can talk at length about it be- later, but that is my number five. Oof. It probably should be higher. It was a very hastily ordered hey, list. Hey man, if you Dude. like the movie, it's where it's at. Mine is pa- number five is Patton. 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 Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's, that's a, a great movie. movie. Too. You know, that, uh, it's Francis, long. Very long. I it's mean, like almost well, three hours. Right? So people got to remember, this movie was written to denounce Patton to make him look foolish. And it, and <laughs> Which made it him, did the absolute It made opposite. him into an American icon and hero. Yeah. Because yeah, it was written, uh, Francis Ford Coppola uh, helped write it. He's a screenplay. Uh, George E. Scott. It's just a great movie. I mean, there's a lot of aspects of, of his ego now, this is another Was interesting... That, did Oliver Stone do that movie? Uh, no. No, okay. No. Jer- Oliver Stone did Patton. Or uh, uh, Platoon. Platoon, yes. Oh, yeah, Platoon. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, people got to think, remember about Patton, he recognized uh, mechanical warfare back in World War One when he saw it. And him and Eisenhower actually tore down a tank in Fort Bragg. In, not Fort Bragg, in Fort Knox. And tore it totally down. And and put it all back together, the, him and their troops, so they got understand it, and that's why they were so. What do you got there? Yeah, Jerry. Don't worry about it. You uh, holding on on us? We're live. Oh, <laughs> all right. Um, so, yeah, Patton. Yeah, I. It, you know what? I like that movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I barely. Yeah, have I, very little memory of it, but I um, do remember liking it. You hit on not uh, not Russian lot. Uh, Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly, and and that guy put out a book about Patton oh. killing Patton. If you can get past the Bill O'Reilly, it's a very good historical read about the end of World War II. I've heard II. that. I mean, I, I understand that a lot of people don't like Bill O'Reilly, but I've heard his books are meticulously researched. Really good. It's, it's really? actually he very... Mysterious, I didn't know that. Good. He mysteriously died in a car crash, and the guys who hit him in the deuce and a half disappeared. Interesting. Yeah. It's, yeah they think the uh, Russians and the... the predecessor to the CIA killed him because they, they realized if he came back, he'd be president. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, is it my number five then? Yeah, yep. I believe so. So, all right, my number five, this may be controversial, but it's more of a documentary, but it is a movie. It's a hour and a half. It's 99 minutes worth of a movie, or it's an hour and 39 minutes. Is that 99? Yeah, that's 99 minutes. It's by Peter Jackson. He recreated... Uh, or he put a bunch of World War One footage together into a movie called They Shall Not Grow Old. It came out in 2018. 
just a couple of years ago, but it's colorized versions of World War One. And they pieced it together into this one like long movie, and it depicts the entire saga of World War One between like French, American, German, like all of these different factions of the entire war and all of the footage that they have compiled from the war. And it, it is absolutely incredible. Um, it's something you'll never, you've never seen before. Like you've never seen this type of movie ever before. You've never seen this footage before. Most of the footage in the movie people have not seen before mm-hmm. because nobody took the time to like curate it and, um, take care of it to make it watchable. And Peter, that's what Peter Jackson's been doing for the last like 20 years after the Lord of the Rings. This is all he's been doing. And it's really, really incredible because it'll transition from like black and white into a colorized version of the exact same film and show you exactly what they're doing. It's dubbed over, you know, people are. Uh, narrating it on what's going on, but it it's absolutely incredible. It took me like by surprise on how good I thought it was. Cause at first I thought it was going to be like another like history channel type show, right? Where you dub over it and you see the footage and, and then they just tell you the history behind it and that's it. But it's not that it's very immersive and you get, um, it, it immersed into all of these people because especially once you put color to people, it I don't know what difference. it does, yeah, but know. it makes a huge difference in what you feel about them. And it felt so much more real. World War One is so far away from what well, what we, we're living and what we've ever known. But when you watch this, it's, it's called just, the Forgotten War. I mean, World War One, okay, is so interesting. By the way, yeah, because it's like. It has its feet in both worlds, right? It has its feet very much politically yeah. in a different era that doesn't exist anymore and never will again. No. We're talking about we're talking about kings and monarchs. Monarchs. Yeah. And uh royal families. Czars. And political chess pieces moving around and oligarchies. And then all of this essentially poor fodder yeah that became fodder mm-hmm. in the advent of the the move between yes one type of warfare to mechan- uh, to this, machine guns yes, and this correct. depicts that <laughs> this yeah. depicts the whole like when machine guns came about it, during the war like at the beginning of this war it was not a thing right. like it really didn't happen the whole trench trench warfare thing was going on but there was no machine guns in the middle of that war is when they, they yes. like implemented I mean, there was a machine gun came out. There in was, 19, I mean, 19, there was, uh, it, it just, no. it wasn't widely used. Right. And then but all there of was a sudden like, it uh, came more prevalent. What are those Gatling guns? There were things the, like that, but that the, was very different than the, what the Gatling gun was because, kind of phased out after, the, but the, the gas operated machine gun, the maximum yeah. machine gun came out in 19 and chemical 1912. warfare. Chemical warfare was Mustard awful, gas. and oh, they yeah. talk about that in the in the episode in the movie. It, it's an insane. So I started watching time. this a couple months ago, and I actually fell asleep. I never circled back to it. You now need to. I, I feel just, horribly bad that I didn't. I just. It's not necessarily like a great masterpiece film, right? I just. This is like actual footage from a war, right? That happened in our life, not in our lifetime, but in our history, 
And it just was so immersive to me. And so, uh, like it, like it just affected me more when you see the transition from black and white. And it's really yeah. weird to say, but from black and white to color, it just made more sense to me. And then seeing all like everything that happened throughout the war and what, uh, eventually ended it, what created it, like what happened in the middle of it, the political side of things, but then the nitty gritty, like in the trenches type war. And they show footage of people running through trenches while things are blowing up. It's insane. And I just can't. So the best thing ever. Imagine it. One of the best things I've ever consumed is this podcast called Hardcore History, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. Yeah. Uh, the unfortunate part about it is a lot of the podcasts he took down, this guy... Come on, you got to pay for it. It's behind a paywall. But this guy is a history professor that intensively has researched um, history more than anybody. And then he he makes these like four, six-hour-long podcasts in series. And one of his best ones is the one on World War One. It's called Blueprint for Armageddon. Okay. Oh, yeah. Everybody needs to listen to this podcast. It's like four episodes, and they're like four hours apiece. Does he touch on the end and how bad we it's screwed exa- Germany over? It's an exhaustive, um, in-depth history of World War One mm-hmm. and the, the world, the setup to it during, and then the repercussions after. Yeah, and it's it's I couldn't recommend it more than anything because it is something that in the back of our minds we all think of it like as a modern war. Yeah, and it and it was in a way a modern war in a medieval time. Not medieval, but like uh, it just crossed so many paths. Well, like they literally grew so much in warfare. It, it's during it's that kind time. of similar to the story of World War II, but insofar as the Manhattan Project and the and the development yeah. of nuclear weapons. Yes, it's it's the you same. Know? It is well, kind it, of the same, but just like leaps and bounds ahead of each other. Right. Yeah. It, it was really the first war where they had. Uh, uh, reliable repeating rifles with large cartridges. I mean, it's you, you had bolt action rifles, which were which everybody used, so that you could put rounds downrange. And the Maxim machine gun came out. Tanks were very were, were becoming yeah. around. I actually like watched, literally just started coming yeah. around. But uh, no, it. I this sounds good. I need to blueprint for Armageddon. Check that out. Yeah, and that, and then good. what was the movie? They shall not grow old. Check that. Yeah. All right, my um, your number four. four. My number four is um, Lawrence of Arabia. That's no, it's not. Yeah, that's a, that's it a great is. movie. Um, it is. That's a great movie. Have you ever seen it? I yeah. have. I one time absolutely like Lawrence of Arabia. Love that movie. Yeah. Ever since I've been a little kid, Peter O'Toole. It was. Uh, You're a tool. It, it was on the list of me. Like it's one that I. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Sorry. Um, on the list, like. With like Indiana Jones and a movie that I would watch all the mm-hmm. time when I was that a makes kid. sense. I that it's just a that's why it's a Indiana Jones. It's a. Have you ever seen it? I don't feel like you've ever seen it. Like one time. You remember I know anything I just, about well, it? No. Well, the singer, I feel like the cinematography like of it, the movie is just insanely beautiful. Uh, it is. It's unbelievable. It's it's made in the early '60s, mm-hmm. and it could be released like. Yesterday, um, cinematography wise, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, the story is awesome. The settings, the, the again, it's like a connection to this kind of like bygone era. 
Well, it takes yeah. place during World War One. Is that World War One? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's an incredible movie. I I can't. It's a very um, adventurous and fun movie. Not fun. I wouldn't. That is. It's not. Fun. That's not the right word. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just a really really good movie that I've always liked. Yeah. Um, it is I've, during World War One. That's right. I, I've seen it multiple. But times. it's in the Middle East. Yeah. So. By an English officer that's in charge to take the T. E. Lawrence. Yes. It's uh, it's a bit film based on the life of T. E. Lawrence. So it's a. He's supposed to take charge of the, at the time they call him Arabs, or is I think that's the term they use in the movie. Yeah. And they uh had to defend. They had to drive the Turks out of uh Arabia. Yeah. Uh, the Ottoman Empire. Yeah. That's it. Thank you. In Syria, yep. yep. So anyway, uh, that's a movie I've always liked. It won seven Academy Awards, Jerry. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, all right, dude, you're number four. Black Hawk Down, the Battle of Mogadishu, man. I forgot about that movie. Yeah, that yeah. was a good movie. It's, 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 an easy, it's an easy watch. I mean, I Two didn't... Medal of Honors were given during that yeah. situation. During the Both. movie? Well, no, for the actual combat, <laughs> for the for the poor bastards that went down in the helicopter and defended the pilots. Yeah, and yeah life. those two guys that gave their lives. Yeah, yeah. it's really easy to watch. I mean, everybody's seen Black Hawk Down. I mean, are they going to get the general and they to get shot down? The one Black Hawk gets shot down, and they have to go rescue him. And it's crazy um, that, like, you feel like I feel like this shouldn't have happened. Like, well, it shouldn't have happened. Like, this shouldn't have been an issue. Like, it shouldn't have been a war that um, caused so much loss mm-hmm. for the U.S. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't even a war. It was well, just like... It was, it was a police action. We went in there to, to, to with Somalia, right? Yeah. And we went in there to kick them out. and It was like an incredible loss for the U.S. Yeah. Isn't... I mean, that's... Clinton in the 90s. That's a similar story a lot of times. And it, it, yeah, it you is. You know what I mean? Like it just, and I've always felt that you way. Mean like I don't feel like the it, U.S. That, a place where the U.S. shouldn't have been to begin with, right? Like, uh, yeah, America, yeah. world police. policing hmm. things that they shouldn't be right. weird. I mean, that's a it's an argument, and that we're not going to get into. I mean, obviously, there's somebody. There is a certain aspect of it, somebody's got to do something. Yeah, which right? I yes, mean, you're exactly right, yeah. and that is. The biggest point that I think America uses is that somebody has to do something, right? To justify the, things that, but we don't know what the reasonings behind the reasons are. Exactly. A lot of times, the, the world justifies that something has to happen, but nobody in the world besides us takes any steps to do that. But I think it's on purpose. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's like, all right, let's the. Let's let the U.S. I think that. there's... Because uh, they'll, they'll take care of it. Anyway, again, though, we're talking about they movies. They got a lot of military. <laughs> Let's talk about US the movie. Now. But that's a real-life situation. I that understand movie that is it based is. off a real-life situation. Right. I, I get it, but... Well, they send all the Navy... They send uh, Delta Force in to get the general, and then the Rangers are supposed to get the... the to transport the, this general and his staff out of Mogadishu and this... And the and black hawk gets shot down, and everything just goes to shit, and they get scattered. And these poor rangers are stuck, you know, running, not running for their lives, but fighting their way out of Mogadishu. It's, it's a great movie. Yeah, I will say, like, again, as a movie, it's, uh, it's frantic. Yeah, 
That's mm. what's good. That's what's yeah. interesting about yeah. it, right? It's frantic. It keeps you on your toes. It was, you know, I think I feel like it was. I, I'm sure there's other examples, but of that style of movie, mm. which we've seen a lot more of since, mm. of that kind of like. That's where I was going next. Like that nonstop, like well, it, it's, confusion. It's the first yes. real, you know, modern day. Which a modern day war film or, or, or movie where, you know, Three Kings was more of like a comedy type deal where Black Hawk Down set the precedence for uh, Zero Dark Thirty, uh, Benghazi, and those types of movies where it, they, they, they play to how fast the pace is in a situation like those poor bastards had to deal with. Yeah. Gerald? My, what number are we on? Four. Four. Holy smokes, number four. We're within the top ten now. Four left to go. My number four is a little movie that came out the exact same year as Saving Private Ryan, and it was overshadowed, but I still love it, and it is a movie called The Thin Red Line. Oh, man. That's such a hard watch. I don't remember yeah. that movie at I all. I don't think it's a hard watch at all. It's a good it's movie. It's a long movie. It's a long movie. It is. Let's see. How long is it? I have it pulled up here. It is two hours and 50 minutes. It is a three-hour-long movie, but it's got Sean Penn. It has Adrian Brody, Jim Caviezel's in it, John C. Riley, John Cusack. A lot of big-name people. Yeah, a lot of big-name people in it. Woody Harrelson's in it, yep. Um, And it's based off of a deserter. So it's during World War II, and one guy is deserting his... He's, like, trying to run away. And then he's picked up by another company, uh, the Men of C Company, 1st Battalion, 27th Infantry Regiment. Uh, pick him up, and then they, uh, they have to storm a hill in Japan, Hill 210, um, and they have to capture it like at all cost. But it's, the f- it's, again, like two different movies. So the first half of the movie is about this one guy, which it's Adrian Brody's character, I believe, that is deserting. Mm-hmm. And his, the first half of the movie is him leaving his company and trying to figure out how to get away from everyone, literally everyone he sees, in Japan. Because yeah. he's trying to z- desert the U.S. And he obviously can't be seen by Japanese people. So he's, it's a lot of him like dodging people through uh, rice patties and things like that. And then he is picked up by the U.S. again. And they thought he was just lost. And obviously he lets them believe that he's just lost and was deserted rather than him being a deserter. Um, And then the story continues from there about them tackling a whole hill that they have to take regardless. Like the U.S. told them, we don't care what happens. You have to keep fighting until everyone's dead, whether it's you or them. Like we have nobody else to give you. And it's you or nothing. And the story really changes towards the end of the movie when that's what has to happen. Yeah. It's super good. It's very intense. It's filmed completely differently than I feel like Saving Private Ryan was. Saving Private Ryan is an incredible movie, obviously. Yeah. This one's way um, grittier. It's more like down to earth. It's literally like lo- shot low. It's like below a lot of the characters like on on the edge of water in the rice paddies and like on the ground while they're running and right up in their face. It just felt more gritty and in their face than 
a lot of movies, especially at that time. Very good. But it is a long watch. Yeah. And some parts of it can be slow. Nice. But it's my number four. Number four. Um, my number three is not... It is a war movie, but well, it not should be a combat movie. <laughs> and it's actually a comedy. It's a dark comedy. It's another Stanley Kubrick movie. Before he got into crazy movies like The Shining... Does it involve Robin Williams? Uh, no. Oh, I thought you were going to say. Um, no, it's called Dr. Strangelove. Oh, yeah. That's oh. a classic. Um, and what I, is it like in the mad love of a, of a bomb? Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Yeah. And it is uh, with Peter Sellers, and it's uh, basically like the whole movie taking place in like this whole kind of situation room. Yeah. Uh, or whatever you would want to call it. Um, doomsday shelter. Doomsday place. <laughs> yeah. And it is Peter Sellers playing multiple roles. It's which a very good movie. In itself. It's, is, it's, and it is it is funny. Like, I, I, it's funny in a way that, like, it's different than what's funny now in a comedy. Mm-hmm. But it is a dark comedy. So it's not necessarily, like, hardcore laugh-out-loud funny. But No, but you have to take it for the time that it was You have to take it for the well. time. And... Yeah. Um, it's just, I just think it's a really well-made movie, and it's super interesting. And I've seen it many times, and I never, I always think like, I'm not gonna enjoy watching this movie again because, like, I know exactly everything that's gonna happen. There's nothing shocking about it to you anymore. Yeah, but but I always enjoy watching. It's just one of those movies that I. It is en- very good. I enjoy watching. Um, I never it, thought about putting it on a war movie list, but yeah, you're right. Is yeah. it should be. Yeah, basically, it's it's during the Cold War, yeah. and it's the Soviets in the United States, and it's like this uh, cowboy general that basically yeah. decides to launch a first the first strike mm-hmm. of a nuclear weapon uh, against the Soviet Union, and all the fallout from that, and uh, not nuclear fallout, but um, political I, political fallout for that and whatnot. I don't know. I just think it's a, a really good movie, and it's always one that I've enjoyed, and. You don't know. It's not like the same thing as watching Saving Private Ryan. But I, d- I thought it'd be cool to throw something a little different out here that is more of a comedy. No, I agree. A little bit different. Very good. So that is my number three. Dude. My number three is a Clint Eastwood movie, one of the few war movies he did. It's called Kelly's Heroes. Clint Eastwood did a couple other movies as he well did, later he, in life. He, but he, Kelly's he, Heroes he, is a very good movie. Yeah, you've seen it. Mm-hmm. The uh, uh, the Donald Sutherland. The, the reason that sticks out in my mind about this movie is that uh, it's got Telly Savalas, Don Rickles is in it, and uh, uh, Donald Sutherland's in it, and he plays a tank commander, or he he's in charge of a tank. Yeah, and the tanks go faster in reverse than they, than do, they do going forward. forward, so they can get out of shit faster than they can get into it. And he's just a classic character, and that's why it sticks in my mind. It's it's just a fun movie. It, it, it's a comedy. They go behind enemy uh, German lines to get the Nazi gold. Yeah, and they're. they're I for, forgot that that was a Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah, he plays Captain Kelly. Yeah, it's it, one of my favorite movies. is is up there, man. That's pretty good. Well, they put pipes over top of the tank cannons to make it look like they have bigger guns. Bigger guns, guns yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, man. I forgot about that. That's, That's really yeah, good. That's yeah. a good movie. Yeah. Oh, so. I like that. 
Um, all right, my number three is Platoon, Oliver Stone. That's great. It's a great, great movie. What man. a good movie! I have seen this movie, no joke, over fifty times. I have watched it back to back to back in a day before, like multiple times in a day. Watched it over and over and over again. This is a movie that I never, um, I've, I'd heard about many, many times, and just I never watched it. You've never seen Platoon? No, no. My, let me finish. I'd heard about it for a long time. I finally got, I finally watched it, and it's just, it's mind blowing. Yeah, it is. So it is so fucking good. So I grew up with like a. A love for the military just because of my grandpa, right? Like I, I grew up with my grandpa being active in the military and I was like obsessed with it. I was infatuated with it when he was a, a recruiter. He was at Fort Sheridan in Illinois. Then he went to uh, Florida and that's why we would go to Florida is because he, they were down there and he was still active in the army at the time. And then my brother was older than me and joined the army right away and was active in the army and it was just like well this is what i have to do that's all i thought about and i would watch these movies being so young over and over and over again and that's all i thought about like it's odd to me that platoon was the and one yeah with and, oh there were so many there was yeah but that's like so many movies. A very it's not a anti-war movie well, it is, but it's based in Vietnam. Like, it's political, but I didn't get the political aspect of that because I was so young. Colin, all I looked at... Really? No, all I looked at was it, they were in Vietnam and they were shooting guns and they were in the army. Okay. And that's, were, like, that's what I watched, yeah. right? I understand it now, yeah. but it, uh, that's, that's all I saw and that's all I loved. And, like, Willem Dafoe's character is incredible. Charlie mm-hmm. Sheen's character as the young, like... I've just got into country and he's getting eaten by ants like that scene. I can't get out of my head. He's just literally exhausted laying up against a tree and then ants start swarming him. And it shows you like how incredibly like Tom horrible this war, it, it, war, this was. war was, yeah. you know, and there's a close friend of mine that her dad was in Vietnam and he had talked about how, uh, there was times like they'd go out, you know, they'd leave the, leave base and they'd go out for a week at a time Mm. and then by the time they came back like he'd actually get a shower and his underwear would just fall off of him it just like rot off of you your clothes would just fall off and rot off because you were wet because the humidity and the wet dirty all of the time like all the time it was just in the war itself like some people didn't really have a bad time but the the conditions were just so bad for Mm -hmm. most of them that it made it so terrible but I don't know. I I loved everything about this movie. Tom Berger, yeah, like you said, was awesome. Uh, Johnny Depp was in this movie. He was another like just grunt show, mm-hmm. soldier, but all of them were so good. But Willem Dafoe, Dafoe's character and the whole like, you know, on your knees with your pew, hands pew, up. Pew 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 pew. Are you supposed to be Jesus? That was so awesome. Pew pew. Did you know that? No, I didn't. No, know I didn't know that. know that either. That's why he has hands like that. It was a representation of him. At being Jesus crucified, like he was. Are you sure? Because I saw an interview with Oliver Stone, and he said that that's he was just talking about like basically being in Vietnam because Oliver Stone was in Vietnam for two years. Uh, absolutely, I'm not saying that he wasn't. I'm saying in the story, 
in the plot point of the story, the William Defoe character is like the universal good. Yeah. Character. Oh, that makes sense. And that was a representation of him being the Jesus-like character, mm-hmm. being but crucified. But is that your no, assumption, I mean, or is that true? I mean, that's just what I've heard. Oh. Was that from Oliver Stone? Because I just talked to him yeah. <laughs> a couple hours ago. He didn't tell me that. I don't, I don't know. I can't answer that question. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, Chris, you're number two. My number two is Inglorious Bastards. What a great movie. Yeah, awesome. I, fucking Aldo. I mean, again, that's another one that's like... Did you bear? I guess. I mean, I would... Obviously, it's a war movie. Oh, it absolutely. It takes place during a war. But again, it kind of subverts the genre a little. It does. But yeah. all I want to talk about is Christoph Waltz. The first 15 minutes of this movie it, it, oh. sold me immediately. Un- well, I didn't... So... I saw this in theaters, and I was like, yeah. "All right, I think we this could be together. about Brad Pitt. Did we go together? killing some Nazis? I don't remember. And then maybe. So you see his character, and he's hunting Jews, and it's like, what the hell is going on here? This isn't what I signed up for. And yeah, then, but he's hunting Jews in a different way. Yeah, that's where I didn't want to. Yeah. Oh, well, if you haven't seen the movie by now, you yeah. need to like yeah. stop listening to us and go watch the movie. <laughs> But Christoph Waltz like stole the show, yeah. I think, and this is what put him on the map. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But the first fifteen minutes of is his interview when they're at the in the house, yes, yeah, like that's the beginning of the movie. Yeah. That's how he starts off the movie. It's, it's incredible. Like he comes into this house, he interviews this family, and the way he acts, and the way like there's people hiding and him searching around the house, but just his delivery of this monologue during this opening of the movie immediately sold me. You get so like nervous. You get this oh, nervous tension. Mm-hmm. Uh, unsettled. And you can tell like he has this other plan. He speaks to you in a certain way, but you can clearly like, you know, because he's a Nazi, but you can clearly tell he has a different plan than what he's speaking to you, even though he's genuine. And I don't know that, that dude, did a phenomenal job. I love that movie. I should have probably put it higher, but there were just other movies that that beat it out. But that that acting from that dude, he won a didn't he win an Academy Award for that? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I think he did. But no, more like an ass chewing. I've had a lot of ass chewings. <laughs> it's just uh, it's 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 as close to a perfect. I mean, I love Quentin Tarantino movies. And it's near the top of my list of Quentin Tarantino movies. It doesn't yeah, get I think it is. at the top of the list often for his movies, and I'm not sure why, because it, it is really good. I do love you know, Jackie Brown and Pulp Fiction and stuff like that yeah. as well. But Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. I've never been, been as huge of a Reservoir Dogs as people seem to be, but fan as people seem to be, but I, I still like it. Yep. So anyway, that's my number two, Inglorious Bastards. Yes, he won in 2010 Best Supporting Actor for Inglorious Bastards. Christoph Waltz did. And he also won in 2013 for Best Supporting Actor in Django Unchained. That's a great, oh, really? That's a great movie. What a good movie. That was a good, a good movie, too. I never saw uh, the Seven it. one. The, the, no, the uh, Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight. eight. That, I saw that. that was so amazing. Pagoda, Nate and I went and saw that up in New Lenox with... Uh, we went and saw it in theaters when they ran it in 35 millimeter. Oh, really? Yeah, because they. Oh, uh, yeah. 
he put it out in 35 millimeter first before it came out in regular theaters. And we went and saw it in that. So we're, it was like the legitimate, like, mm-hmm. click, 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 click. I miss that sound. It was so great. It was really good. It's not one of the best Quentin Tarantino no. movies. Very fun watch. I really enjoyed it. And I think the experience of watching it in 35 millimeter was what did it for me. Um, it was fun. And we, we had to get like an 11 a.m. show. So we left at like nine o'clock in the morning or like eight thirty in the morning to make it up to New Lenox to make sure we got to the show on time. I was like, "Well, I guess I still have to get a large popcorn and cherry coke." I think we had the red popcorn for breakfast, but I've had it for supper. Yeah, well, we did it. All right, uh, all right. Two, dude. So this is a little bit. It's not a true war movie, but it has to do with veterans and post-war. It's a John Wayne movie, and it's a comedy called Donovan's Reef. I've never heard of it. it, it it's a it's a John Ford movie, so it's got Lee Marvin on it. Either it, it's it, it's a comedy. It's they're in the French Polynesia, and it's about how a how come all of his movies were in like they really were that region because he was in naval intelligence during World War Two. So he was in that region. He was in the area. So they they talk about that in some of the the that documentaries about John Ford, and that he was. So how it turned out is John Ford wanted to make this movie, and the, the and the and the studio says, yeah, if you can get these actors to go there for this long long of a time, you can make it. So he calls John Wayne and say, hey, John Wayne, I'll make a movie about what happened over there. John so Wayne, went, sure. Call Lee Marvin and said, hey Lee Marvin, hey, we're gonna spend the summer in French Polynesia, or actually Japan, uh, filming this movie, and your kids bring your whole family. <laughs> yeah. They're, bring, they're, bring your family to this beach paradise. Let's and go. So they're all like, and so Lee Martin's like, oh, crap. You know, it's it's a great movie. If you guys never seen it, so I can give you the rundown. So uh, John Wayne's a character who owns a bar, and his best friend is a doctor who they, during World War II, are stranded in French Polynesia, and they fight the a Japanese, and they just stay. So hmm. this doctor is originally from Boston, and he just stays in French Polynesia, and he had a child in Boston. So this. Boston lady, who's up, supposed to be up, strung and high and mighty, comes to French Polynesia to find her father to get the family business signed over to her, and she falls in love with John Wayne and stays there. I would too. Well, if you, I was alive then, I would fall in love with John him. John Wayne. Who's, yeah, it's it's a great movie. I reckon. I, I remember watching it with, with my mom. That's why I I yeah. watch it once a year. Nice. That's awesome. It's my second favorite John Wayne movie. What's your first? The Quiet Man. It is? You never seen The Quiet Man? No, I absolutely yeah. have, but that's your favorite? Yeah, won two Academy Awards. Oh, man. What about The Cowboys? Cowboys, it's it's up there, but Quiet Man's my favorite. I mean, who doesn't love a bunch of drunk Irishmen Chism? fighting? Rooster Cogburn? Rooster Cogburn. That's good. Oh, man. Anyway. <laughs> Quiet Man's my favorite. That's good. No, I like yeah. that movie. My number two. What? Full Metal Jacket. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay, yeah. Uh, guys, this is another one. It, just like Platoon, like I talked about with Platoon, this is a movie that I would watch over and over and over again with my brother. My brother would always call me Joker. I thought I was Joker. So this is the movie that made me want to, I was like that close sign up for the Marines. I, mean, I, I was in the recruiter's office with the paper in front of me and I didn't do it. What'd you do? Well, a uh, family friend who was in Vietnam talked me out of it, and 
And I get it. I can't. Yeah. I can't ever tell anybody like what the right thing is to do. Like, yeah. yes, I joined the army, and a lot of people think they feel like they need to tell me certain reason. I'm not saying like that's what you're doing. I'm yeah. just saying. In my life, certain people have told me, like, oh, you know, the reason why I didn't. I don't care. It's not, you aren't me. No. I'm not you. Like, that's not what I expect from anybody. I've always loved, I gave the description as to why I've always loved the military. It was like, I grew up with my grandpa always being in the army, and I just was always around it. And it just, I don't know, it like implanted in my brain that this is what I wanted to do. And then the one thing that changed my mind was a National Guard recruiter coming to um, ag mechanic, or it was not ag mechanics, but it was just like mechanics, or it was a uh, uh, auto, auto. Oh, it was uh, like shop class. Mr. Brandt? Working with like cars and stuff. It wasn't Mr. Brandt. It was a different guy, and I don't remember his name. But uh, David Seentep will probably remember his name. But... In that class, they brought a Humvee. Um, it looked like he was in the Army because he was wearing a uniform. And then he told me about the National Guard. And so I also had like an affinity towards agriculture, and I wanted to do something with that. But I also wanted to be in the Army. And so I came home one day, and I told my dad that. And he's like, well, why don't you do the National Guard then? He's like, you can go to college. They'll pay for it. You could do something in agriculture. And he can still do the army thing. Every, you know. Did you think at the time that they were going to immediately basically send the National Guard to Iraq? It didn't, it didn't matter to me. No, I mean, I'm not saying it mattered to you, but it no, wasn't I never, something like I, I've known uh, other people that were in there and they're like, well, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> you well, know what I, mean? I, had, I had no care in the world. As soon as they told me, well, as soon as I went to basic training, they told, they told us right away. They're like, as soon as you get back to your like, unit, like if you're in the National Guard, if you're in an active duty unit, whatever, you can expect to be deployed within the next year to two years. You will be gone. See, I got a totally different story so when, I, when I got recruited. When I came home, I was like, I came home well, from a that. a completely different time. Oh, yeah. That was before. That would have been before any of the uh, Yeah. There's so nothing. I, this was 2004 when I went to basic training. I got home. Well, I guess at that time it was already going. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, going I, on so for you knew three years. Full bore. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was going on for three years. So it was in the middle of it. Well, I mean, it was in the beginning of it, t- technically. But yeah. I got home, and then everybody thought, like, National Guard, you we're not going to touch. Nobody's going to touch National Guard. But that's what they were sending because active duty was basically tapped out at this point. Right. And that's all they were sending. But anyway, full metal jacket. Yeah. Great movie. <laughs> that's, but I, when I watched this movie, man, that's what really like stemmed my love for the military because of Arlie army. He was like the epitome of what you think of like any military movie. And he had a whole show on the history channel, like based off of yep. that show. And it was like, mm. All he talked about was guns. But in that movie, like you had said earlier, it's two separate films. Mm-hmm. It's him screaming at everyone during basic training and then them like going on and going to the Vietnam War and doing that aspect of you know, their military life. And that's what I loved about it is the difference between 
the beginning of their training and the end of the movie. Like they are two different people. It's two different times. Yeah. It's awesome. I, I love it. That's what I love about it is like the two aspects of the movie. Um, also, weirdly enough, a Stanley Kubrick movie. Yeah. The third yeah, one a, that we've yeah. mentioned today. It's a Stanley Kubrick, um, Kubrick movie. And another a theme of you being enticed into the military by anti-war movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know... There's a bit of an argument with well, Full Metal Jacket. There know, people have argued it both ways. No, it, it was totally anti-war But it was movie. definitely... It was supposed to so, show you what not... This is... If you go into the military, this is what's going to happen to you. They're going to so take the I'm, shit out of you. When I'm training. first introduced to these movies, I'm uh, also very young. I understand. And I don't, yes. and I don't yeah. understand yeah. that. But even like looking at it now, like you can say they're anti-war movies, but that's all they depict. The only thing they depict is the war and the people within the war being against what they're doing. I mean, in today's day and age, you could film an entire movie about the Iraq or Afghan war, even with me in it. And I wouldn't necessarily have a positive outlook of the war I'm in. Right. I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not arguing with that. But the, and, and Full Metal Jacket was maybe a little more on the fence with that, but like a lot of those movies, those Vietnam era movies, yeah. were made with a perspective. What's an uh, anti war perspective? What was the Michael J. Fox movie that was like sure, really anti war? There was a Michael J. Fox movie that was, uh, had Sean Penn in it, and it was way. Anti-war. I can't remember the name of it to save my life right now. Well, I don't know, but um, irregardless, it's a phenomenal movie. It's and I do, my I, second favorite. I always loved the fact that it was two different movies, um, and I I just thought that was interesting because it's nothing I've ever really seen done before. Well, I think that was the first time really where the where the public got to see what basic training was like in, in a film, what basic training was really like. I mean, there was uh, what's the world war one movie with the, this black and white. I can't remember that. Give me a minute. It was, uh, he won the medal of honor. I'm trying to think of the name of it. Sergeant York. Sergeant York. That movie is on my honorable mentions, it's, and it's amazing. It's a great movie. I really, thought about putting it in my top ten. I, I absolutely love that movie. Yeah, but uh, maybe you have it on your number. I, I, I don't I, know. I don't but, know. Uh, uh, Casualties of War is Michael J. Fox and Sean Penn. It's based on events in 1966 on a hill. It's uh that that's a good one, it, but it's definitely a drama. Um. Yeah. Uh, we're waiting for Jerry to get back yeah. before we do our number ones. But yeah. Sergeant York um, was a World War One movie as well, mm. and it was like it was about a farm boy, right? That uh, was a good Kentucky. shot and basically uh, came over there and became an American hero. He was like well, a, he, he was became a con- like the Captain America of the time. Well, he was a conscientious conscientious objector. Thank you. He did not believe in killing, and by the end, he had killed a whole lot of Germans to save his people to save his platoon. And uh, he, he, he won the Medal of Honor. I mean, he single-handedly got behind enemy lines, took out the whole machine gun nest, and, and, and captured all these Germans. I mean, there's right. five or six of them that took on uh, a, a division, I believe, and captured them. And he, he, the whole entire time, you know, the whole point of this is he, he goes back to Kentucky on a hill, and, and the Bible, in the, mo- in the movie, the Bible opens up and says, you know, I'll give on to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give the Lord what is Lord's, which is a classic line for anybody who has a struggle with faith. You're right. You know, but 
That's a good movie. Yeah, he did. He was. A, he wanted to be a real, uh, conscientious, conscientious, conscientious yeah, I, I, sorry, objector I, uh, because of religious, religious reasons. reasons. Yeah, but which? So he was kind of torn between his like duty to country mm-hmm. and, um, you know, thou shalt not. That's kill. a good. It, it's it's a good movie and it stands up even nowadays. Honestly, I mean, it does, and it probably should be in the top ten. Because it, it, it is should, a really good it, movie. It should be on all of our top tens. Um, Sergeant York, yeah. That is a yeah. good one to check out. Have you seen that, Jerry? Sergeant oh, York? yes. Didn't That's we have to watch that in high school? Uh, I watched it. I think so. I don't remember, but um, I think I actually saw it in that, no, that film class in college. Yeah. I think it's like, is where I saw yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think I saw it in high school. Um, all right. We're on to number one now. Now number that Jerry's one. back. Uh, my number one is the best war movie ever made. And it's one of my favorite movies ever made. And it is Platoon. Oh, Platoon. Platoon is You're right. an incredible it, it movie. It is. I'm not arguing with you. It's, it is such and, a good movie. Not only is it an incredible movie, the story behind the movie of just how the movie came to be is incredible. Unbelievable. It's a it's a movie that shouldn't have ever been even made. Yes, I don't know nobody that. wanted it made. No, and Oliver Stone basically forced it. It to was be basically made. like his first movie. He had written some other stuff, but I think it was his one of his first movies, mm-hmm. if not his first movie. Oliver Stone, who is an extremely liberal person, like oh, yeah. um, extremely liberal Hollywood type, but informed because he mm-hmm. was. In the shit in Vietnam, not like very much so. I was yeah. around the the, the situation. Yeah. No, he was in it. This movie no, was he, based on his experience experience in the war. In the war, um, he was he was vehemently anti-war. I'm almost positive he based Charlie Sheen's character off of him. He did. Like he was the new guy within the. In the platoon, like he didn't know anything. Oliver Stone uh, is, um, while I might not agree with him politically on all things, he is one of my favorite filmmakers. I have Incredible. an Oliver Stone yeah. uh, box set. This He's was part very of a, good. a trilogy of movies that he dedicated to this topic of the Vietnam War, along with uh, Born on the Fourth of July, um, Heaven and Earth, and some other ones. <laughs> but um, he also extensively does movie on politics, um, of he, course, JFK and things like that. Well, he, he also has a, a Netflix history Special, which is very, very his left. perspective. Yes. Yes. Um, anyway, d- besides the point, let's talk about more about this yeah. movie being inc- absolutely incredible. I had heard about this movie as a kid, and I had very much kind of a similar perspective of Jerry. Like, oh, it's a shoot 'em up in the jungle yeah. military movie, and it's when you get older that you realize the nuance of the movie. I'm not not necessarily even saying from a political bent. Just from a storytelling perspective, right? Like it's a very effective movie, and just, and that's what I meant. Like you, you talked about, like the anti-war uh, aspect of the movie. Like I didn't see any of that like, yeah, when I when I was watching it to begin with. It's just a. It, it, it's. I saw it as a war film, and the nuance of war. Like that's what I looked at. Yeah, that's all I thought of. It's weird to say, but that's literally all I thought of as a kid. I dug holes in my yard, like foxholes in my yard, and cut our telephone line because that's what I did. Like, that's what I wanted to do. And 
that movie well, was one of the reasons why. So further than that movie being awesome and further than Oliver Stone basing it on real life experience and like going out of his way to make this movie as basically a journalist at the time. Right. Um, he This is the first movie ever made that was really anti-military and anti-war. Yeah. It was like to counter uh, it was John Wayne yeah, like, it, and well, the Green Berets and the movies like that from the 1950s and 60s that were very oorah military, you know, let's go. This well, was the first movie that kind of countered that, and it, it encountered a lot of resistance for that. That's why it... So, and that's what was Full so Metal Jacket stems from. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because it's the year later. Yeah. So Full Metal Jacket came out in 87. Platoon came out in 86. The whole reason that that movie came out is because Platoon was a thing. Like, and it had such a standing yeah. in society. I mean, society. And, and Stanley Kubrick had a history, both with Dr. Strangelove and Pads of Glory, of making war critical movies. I mean, but not at the level. Not at Oliver the level. Stones was yes. very in your face. Like Especially like, in 1986, it came out. It, it said no, what it said. And nothing had ever been done about the Vietnam War at that right. point. It was A, too fresh, well, and B, too divisive. There was one movie that came out before that. Uh, like quite a few years before that. It's on my honorable mentions. Okay. Well, anyway, the other cool thing, uh, crazy thing about it was it was made for $6 million. And it made $138 million at the box office. I, did, I didn't know that. I mean, it's, it's just an incredible story all overall. If you want to hear more about it, I highly recommend you listen to Oliver Stone on Joe Rogan's podcast, where they do a real in-depth dive into I need to watch specifically this movie. Um, and it's, Wait, Oliver Stone was on? Joe Rogan, yeah. I didn't know uh, And they talk basically about Platoon for most of the podcast. I didn't know that. I need to listen to that. And I think that that's where whole... I heard the thing about the... Um, William Defoe. I take that back. The movie I was Jesus talking thing. about, the movie I was talking about that I thought that came out before Platoon came out in '87, which was a year later. So I think that's where I heard the, oh, the, the movie Hamburger Hill. Oh, oh that's a yeah. good movie. Yeah. Um, I think that's where I heard the William Defoe thing, but I might be just confusing myself because he did play Jesus in Last Temptation of Christ, right? Yes. But no, I think I'm pretty it's sure very, he I mean, does that, be, and he's killed. He's betrayed by yes. his own soldiers, so he's literally like crucified by Judas. No, you know his own. No, he's no. trying to save everybody. He's throwing flares up, saying oh, yeah, like, yeah. "Don't." They were gonna like napalm the whole area, and he sacrificed himself for everyone, which would be like Jesus. Yeah, yeah. he had flares sacrifice. in his hands. Yes, he had two flares. He pops them off and puts them up in the air with his hands up, saying, like, don't do it right here. Like, whatever, they, they were going to napalm the area. And he was like, no, don't yeah. do it. And he sacrificed himself to save everyone else running out of the area. Um, anyway, it's an amazing movie. Uh, it won Watch four it. Academy That's Awards. Best picture, best director, best sound, best yeah. film editing. So. Yeah, it's very good. The end. Number one for you, dude. Save it, saving Private Ryan. I know it's very cliche, but hey, I... Jerry will join you with that one. That yeah. is also my number one, <laughs> Saving <laughs> Private Ryan. It's just a great movie, it, it, it's, it, and it's... It is so good. I mean, every Tom thing Hanks. about this movie is so good. Yes, Tom Hanks is obviously well, the, the best. It's also, coincidentally... Your number one movie of all time, right? Correct. I think we've oh. done that before. Well, we have. Was the first twenty minutes of the movie is probably the most accurate 
you're going to get of a landing on D-Day. I mean, that, that's out there. There's some It is so shocking yeah. to see that. Like, when you watch a film, you don't see any of... You've never seen any D-Day landing before this movie came out. No. You don't see... Uh, I can't remember if there's... I think you're right. There, there's a couple back. They're, they're not John Wayne's, but I think there, there, there's some, but it's not Right, like but this. seeing the film of... Of them, like in the in the boats, like getting mm-hmm. the the landing craft, like getting ready to land. All of them sitting in the craft, waiting to land. All of the young, like eighteen year old boys, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen year old mm-hmm. boys, waiting to land on this beach. They have no idea what's coming towards them, and you see all of their faces, and also have no idea of this. Isn't it was ten brand years new. ago? This. But I'm just saying, like, I don't. TV wasn't even a thing. This movie's twenty. This so movie was so far beyond anything we'd ever. No, seen. I mean, like, the I'm saying those soldiers at the time they had no understanding of the world at large. No. So this, can you imagine that experience? Like, even going and joining the military later on. And I know I'm off talking about the movie specifically, but like, you have an understanding a little bit of what it means, but. Right. Most of these people had no freaking idea. You're they, talking about taking farm kids and it, people from the city that have never even seen a TV. Right. Correct. And then you're just putting them on a boat, and then they're just, like, showing up. And they're like, yeah. as soon as we land, run straight forward. And Yeah, but what is that? They don't even know what that means. They don't even know what that means. They don't. Well, <laughs> they, they were well-trained to land, they, they, but they didn't understand the political aspect. I'm not saying they weren't well-trained. Yeah. I'm saying... They didn't they know what to expect. Correct. You're they had no idea what to expect when they were coming onto that beach. Mm-hmm. They thought it was going to be a complete surprise landing on these beaches. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that was the idea. They thought we were going to surprise them on these beaches and just basically walk into this land and take over. They didn't really understand the... Like, the what germ like the german forces had done and put these pillboxes in in place and like what it was going to entail well, they had no idea it's just so crazy well the troops didn't but the the, the hierarchy of the military knew exactly what we were sending them into it cuz that's that's, whole, that's what i mean yeah, like the yeah. the people had no yeah, idea like the, the troops the had no farm idea farm boys that went like john Philman, you know uh, Burkhart, I think he, there, there's a couple of them that were from Mazan that were in, they're on Utah. And, uh, you, you ever talked to Omaha, Omaha, they're on Omaha. You talked to, uh, John Philman about it. The, t- the time I was bailing for Jay and, uh, John was talking to us about it. I was like, I'm 16 years old. And he goes, yeah, I was your age when we stormed Normandy. And at the time it was a wealth of information that went, went in one ear and out the other. And it's one of them times I wish I could go back in my life and relive and listen to a, a, a generation that was given you. You know, one of my yeah, favorite that's... parts of the movie is when Tom Hanks is w- a wounded on the bridge and he's shooting the tank with his forty five, and the tank explodes and he, and he looks at the gun. Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, There's so many aspects of this movie that get me like super emotional. There's way too many aspects to even cover because it is such a big thing. And Mm -hmm. you could spend the whole time talking about just cinematography alone. Oh, yeah. Yes. And just the the visual. Well, just the names that are in it, too. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. But just the the visual aspect of this movie of of like people laying on the beach. Just what it looked like. 
there's a guy like in, right in the beginning. There's there's people laying on the beach, like holding their guts in, mm-hmm. screaming like for mama, like mama, mama, please, please, mama. Like you didn't see that before, and well, I didn't anyways. And it was something that was like so shocking, and then it throws you into the world of what they had to deal with, like what they went through. That's all I've ever thought of is like what these people went through to do what they had to do. I think it's just probably more like a situation of you're thrust into it and there it's probably the chaos of it. Absolutely. And it's the just chaos about of war the is the next second. You, you know cannot I mean? understand the chaos of war when it happens. And none of those people could. And you try to put it in a film and they did it very well. They did do it. Very well. Um, but you, you can't understand what's going to happen next. And then you have the character of Upham, like the, the guy that is a coward, right? Like he's somewhat of a coward. And in the film, he comes into this, they're like fighting through this uh, town, and he comes into this house, and one of the people in his company is up there literally getting knifed to death. And that that scene I, I can't watch. I, I don't want to watch it anymore. Like he's hand-to-hand fighting a guy from a, a German soldier, and he ends up getting a knife slowly driven into his chest, and he dies. And that Just guy... give me the willies. Yeah, it's... He comes out of that, like the upper room of this building, and he comes walking down the steps, and Upham is standing on the stairwell with a gun, with a belt of ammo around his neck, mm-hmm. And he's standing there. He heard all of that happen. He could have went up and saved him. But he's so terrified in the moment that he can't do anything. He's like frozen. And then the German soldier comes walking down and looks at him and just leaves him because he sees how frozen he is in terror and leaves him and walks away. He's just standing there, terrified. He didn't go up and save his soldier. And, and you think about being... In war, and you're like, oh, I would have saved him. I would have done this. I would have uh, done that. Well, that's the whole point. Yeah. Is you have like, no you idea. Can't judge well, that, that person. It's no, and I. Nobody can. Nobody can understand what you would have done in that situation. But the film, I think, perfectly depicted the situation. Like, so there's there's of what could have happened so or what couldn't have. There's several points that I love about that that character arc of Upham. So up that soldier that knifed the one guy, the German soldier, that's the the German soldier up and wanted to release, mm-hmm. and let go. And he did. He, well, he wanted to. So then the whole situation, all of Tom Hanks' troops are fighting one another, and Tom Hanks. It's a now. This is something I learned in my leadership classes. Is he takes a book, this is straight off the shelf to defuse the situation. His troops. He brings them all together by bringing a fact about himself. There, you know, it's the whole. You know who is this captain? It's it, it, he, well. I'm an English teacher. What? He's an English teacher, and this guy's a badass. You know, you know. Well, that's leader. so. And the point. And he didn't, I he mean, didn't want the, to tell anybody. They make that, that, that point. That, that's He's, the point. And then later on, Upham can't save his fellow soldier, and the German walks by Upham because Upham tried to save him. And then five minutes later, Upham caps the German soldier that just knifed his his, his buddy. So and it goes back to what you're saying about you have no idea what's going to happen second to second in warfare, and I am thankful we have brave 
young men and women that are willing to volunteer for the armed forces, and I'm thankful for that every day. But this movie is amazing. If you haven't seen Saving Private Ryan, you should. Well, I just think that it's all the different varying aspects. There's like 10 different themes and 20 different ideas and a lot just there's a lot going on there's oh, yeah. so movie, much going on you in know this what movie. I mean? and so that's why you just bring up like the whole thread mm-hmm. with tom hanks and being a teacher like there's depth to that yeah that isn't necessarily explored but it's left to your imagination of like the just your everyday american yes mm-hmm. and can be this you know what i didn't... mean like there's there's a whole range of themes and the and during that, he didn't want to tell everybody everybody during the war like that's what he was because he felt like it was a lesser mm-hmm. idea. Like he was this captain in the war, but if he told everybody I was an English teacher at home, they would, they would think, respect, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't have the respect of it, of him. So he had to keep a certain level of respect to lead this amount of people into battle, right? So he had to keep a little bit of mystery in his life in order to keep it going. And then by the end of it, it didn't matter um, because the war is war. And it, and it, well, and that's and it didn't kind of matter. the ultimate point because, you know, the whole thing is saving Private Ryan. Yeah. And then they go to right. get him, and he's like, why would you do this? Yeah. And, they're, and the theme is because that's what we do. That's what but, we do. You know what I mean? That's what we're and doing. We we lost more people along the way, and that's his point. Is like that's not it's not worth that, right? It doesn't matter. Well, and <laughs> you know that, and I mean? that's what you have to understand. So, is like maybe it doesn't. That ending still tears me up. You know, earn this. You know, and the old say the old Private Ryan asking his wife, "Am I a good man?" Yeah, that still tears me up every yes. every every time, man. Yeah, the whole movie's am- amazing, and then it stems into the mini series that uh, Steven Spiel- Spielberg did Brothers. with Band of Brothers. Yeah. Well, so all the military uh, guys who helped out on that, Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg, realized that these guys are all dying. Their their story has has never truly been told, and and that's where the story of uh, Easy Company comes from. Is they they talk about you know storming uh, the eagle's nest, which yep. it's all, all that's true, and that's another good miniseries. I mean, it's ten episodes, ten hours long. Watch it. There's not a lot of other. <clears throat> so we wrapped it up here, so there's. It, it's interesting. The, the genre is interesting, right? Because it's persistent mm-hmm. across a long period of time. Um, it changes a lot mm-hmm. through the decades, and the other interesting thing about it is. Like all the different perspectives you see from the whole genre of war movies, because um, it's there's ever changing perspectives on war, right? And soldiers and everything, you know. There's there's a lot of nuance, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there is a lot of like nuance to the American perspective, and it's you know, time frame. You know, there was a huge, obviously, a huge issue. Um, it, you know, 20 years ago, you know, uh, where we had glorified World War II and then all of those people that were 
leading the veterans groups from World War II didn't have any interest in allowing anybody from the Vietnam War to well, participate. That, right. That's, that's very true. Then those organizations just started to die because World War II veterans were getting old and nobody, they had basically shunned, you know, people who had served in the right. Vietnam War out. Um, I mean, my dad talked about it all the time because he was in the military in the, during the Vietnam War and it pissed him off, you know, big Absolutely time. Absolutely. And so then those organizations start to start to go down, and it's just a it's an interesting aspect of how even the people that were in World War II mm-hmm. perspectives change. Yep. Well, if you go back, and then and then when they all started to leave, you know, now it's all the Vietnam vets that are running that those things, and obviously it's it's way different now because uh, I think a lot of the Desert Storm and Post that are more active in those organizations than it, they had been previously, like in the 80s and 90s, right before those people were active in those things. It's just interesting that things, the nuance of it all changes, and then it does. there's a whole genre of film that changes around that. Exactly. If you look at the World War I, World War II, and some of the Korea... It's it's war and and the guys there are very heroified. I'm not saying all the rest of them aren't heroified. Yeah, it's but glorified, glorified. As thank being you, heroes all yeah. the time. And then you you start to go to the Vietnam era movies where it's it's not a very much not good. It, it it's it's very anti-war. Which there was a lot of people who were drafted. Like your dad was drafted. Oh, he no, he, he 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 enlisted before he was drafted. Right. He he knew he was going to get drafted, yeah. so he just enlisted. So and then you start to get back to uh, Black Hawk Down, where it, it's not really heroifying or glorifying. It's just it, this. These are the facts of what happened. And then I think you start to see that in all the modern movies. It doesn't glorify. It's just these are this is what happened. Yeah. Uh, so that's just my opinion, but. Yeah, it's very different from war to war. Yeah. Every aspect of war is different between each movie because they become more politicized. So World War II and World War I weren't as politicized. It was like, this is what we have to do to save our country. Mm-hmm. Then you get to Vietnam, even Korea. Well, and, and that's, again, that's the story that was told. Exactly. It, it is true to a certain extent. But and they, also not true to a certain extent. I right. mean, there was political but, aspects to that. But war. when you look at these movies, they become more and more politicized. That's what happens throughout the years. Like World War II, you don't see it as much as a politicized movie. No, absolutely not. As yeah. you do a Vietnam or Iraq or But also even a Korean lot of war. the wars get more politicized. You exactly. know what I mean? Like That's, as yeah. it went along. Yeah. That's what I mean. The time frame changes because it becomes, it has in history become more politicized and that's because of tv uh news like you've gotten more journalists and stuff involved in the war whereas before that wasn't a thing it's also interesting because of the uh, the just the more recent war movies right so the last two middle eastern conflicts or just the benghazi one they put out well I, i just in the last whatever i mean there's a different story told from Desert Storm that gets told post 9 11. And, and there is a big difference there. there yeah. And there is a big difference, but it's very like in the few movies that address 
the desert storm in the early 90s and stuff conflict it's very much like oh this is a story about oil you know and resources and things like that and then you go post 9-11 and that all changes because it's definitely more um it's more kind of it, it it literally changes from oil to weapons of mass destruction. Right. Well, that's I mean, what that's what changes it. Whether it's true or not, that's what. Yeah. No, I I'm not talking about true or not. That's what changes it. Right. Well, and like, and well, terrorism. To, yeah. Ter- yeah. Terrorism right. is the big part. It's just it's it's interesting to see that dynamic play and the fact that there can be a genre of movies that can yeah um, allow all those. Room for all of that. Yeah. That's our top 10. That's our top 10. We're yeah. way over time. We are. Like how long? Like way. 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody stuck to the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Uh, for Snarf Talk this week, I've been Chris. I'm Dude. I am Jerry. See you.